Night, two, Freddy's coming for you. Three, four, better lock your door. Five, six, grab your crucifix. Seven, eight, gonna stay up late. Nine, ten, never sleep again. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. Listening to the Buzz Kill Podcast. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. It is episode 52. Welcome to the Buzzkill Podcast, where if this show was ever remade, I can guarantee you it would be way better than this one. <laughs> Guaranteed. <laughs> Word. I'm Mike. I'm Jim. And I'm Justin. And your feet yeah. were miraculous. Thank you. Thank miraculous. You. I've been uh, sharpening up my air double bass drum. Oh, yeah? So, mm-hmm. I've been practicing at home? No. Do you listen to it? Just I, I'm actually, I'm kind of impressed, though, that you actually had most of the hits down just from listening to it without having to, like, watch him or anything. That's the, well, I, no, that's the thing is, like, air drums... Pretty decent. Get me behind a real kit. I can't do a damn thing. <laughs> the only thing I can do behind a real kit is the the same beat that everybody can do, is, which is the. Oh no, that <laughs> the. Uh, nice. That's nice. exactly how I am with the air saxophone. I am awesome There's, at the air saxophone. Sarah's even better. Put me on a real saxophone. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. I thought you were gonna say every, <laughs> the only thing you can play on regular saxophone is the uh, careless whisper. <laughs> I'd say there's like a honk in there at least, right? When you're blowing through, it's like. <laughs> I can play the saxophone. I haven't done it in a long time. I never learned how to play sax. It's like it's way easier than trumpet. I play you play trumpet, trumpet I play right? Trumpet, yeah. I could never. I can only play trumpet out of the corner of my mouth for some reason. Um, I could actually never do it out of the corner of my mouth. That's the only way. I had way to go I can full it. full into the front of the mouth. Right. Um, Mike's <laughs> Mike's better when. <laughs> When uh, when long objects are coming to the front of his yeah, mouth. True. It's, yeah, it's true. That's true. Pucker your lips up to it. So uh, what's up? <laughs> what's up, fellas? <laughs> what's up? What's up? Uh, nothing. So uh, this week was kind of fun. Um, if you no, have listened to us in the past, uh, you know that uh, we are big fans of the Movie Crypt podcast. Oh yeah. Uh, that Adam Green and Joe Lynch do, and uh, they had a guest on this week, uh, a man by the name of Adam Wingard. Mm-hmm. You would know him, director as such beautiful films like You're Next. Mm-hmm. And the upcoming Death Note, and the mm-hmm. upcoming Godzilla versus King Kong, and a whole slew of other stuff. Pretty sure Death Note came out today. Oh, did it come it? out today? Yeah, I think so. You I, double check on that. Uh, he also did uh, a movie called Blair Witch, which was the the sequel to the Blair Witch Project. Yep. And um, that was one of those movies that when when James and I watched it, it sparked one of those hours long conversations. And uh, if you follow the podcast on uh, Patreon, you actually pay to listen to it like I do, uh, you're allowed to ask questions to the guests that come on. And so I just threw a shot in the dark and I, uh, I put a question in asking if our theory about the uh, about the film was, was correct. Death Note is out on Friday, by the way. Friday. Sorry. Um, we had this this whole like, theory that, and it's not an exclusive theory, except for that some parts are, um, that basically the characters in the, in the Blair Witch remake and the characters in the Blair Witch project... Uh, are stuck in the same time loop and like time paradox, mm-hmm. and that they're actually they share the same air at one point in time. Real intellectual stuff we talk about here. Um, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And so I asked him a question. I said, "This is our this was our theory. You probably can't spell it out to us, but are we on the right track or are we crazy people?" And uh, they 
chose my question, which is pretty cool. Long story short. Adam Green said my name. <laughs> he said Michael, and then <laughs> and then Mike went home and killed himself because he was so happy. Um. Uh, anyway, yeah, they answered, though, and he said, yes, you are definitely on the right track. So we figured some shit out. That's right. And it's then, probably not exciting to anybody else but us, but it was, <laughs> no, it was, it was just, nice to know that our crazy conversations that we have are uh, it's cool to be valid- not always fruitful. It's always cool to be validated by, by people who you admire. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then they went on to say like that more than anything, it's really cool that people are having these conversations. Like That's the whole point of making movies like that. Where we, ins- we inspired Adam Wingard, so you can thank... Uh, didn't he inspire us? But then we inspired him back. It's the uh, circle of life. It's circle. the circle mm-hmm. of life. Yep, yep. So mm-hmm. part of Godzilla vs. King Kong is all the Buzzkill podcast. We're taking credit for it. <laughs> so you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and that was just kind of cool, though. You know, that was, uh, yes. was just, just kind of cool. Very cool. Very cool. What else uh, What else happened with you gentlemen this week? Oh, not too much. Just kind of hanging out, watching some movies. Oh, yeah? Actually, <laughs> I totally slacked. We only had to watch two movies for this week, and I watched them... Last night, and then I just finished the other one like ten minutes before I came here. So, <laughs> nice. um, yeah, but yep. uh, not not too much with me. Just same old, same old. What about you, Jay? Had some fun recording sessions. Recorded some drums. Cool. Yeah, did all that. You recorded. Uh... You had a famous person here, didn't you? Oh, me? Oh, that dog. Oh, don't talk about me like that. <laughs> I'm, I'm always here, Michael. <laughs> yes, wow. no, I'm yes, not we are in the building once again. Fame and fortune. Um, our, our, well, he's actually a friend of ours and a well, acquaintance of mine, I guess a friend of yours, uh, Gabe from the band. I'm sure everybody's heard this, uh, uh, I Prevail. They became like, they're huge now. They became really yeah. huge. Basically, like not to, not to write off the rest of their catalog, but like they, they had a very well, well-timed, uh, Entry cover of, oh, oh. of a Taylor Swift yep. song that yeah. came out. What, it took what, off right what, away. Blank like, space. Uh, blank space. I was going to say blank page. Blank space, and they just took off. And from there, they've been on world tours ever mm-hmm. since. Then. Yeah, those but, dudes are awesome, man. But our buddy uh, Gabe Helguera is drumming for them now. Yes. And you just had a session with him the other day. I huh? did. A good friend of ours, uh, RJ, his brother, mm-hmm. also last name Helguera. <laughs> yeah, him and his <laughs> wife are doing a record, and uh, so they have their brother come in and do some drums for him. He had a couple days free, and they're going out for another three-month tour right now. So that's, that's really exciting, awesome. man. I'm super happy for yeah. him getting that, a- that opportunity and super happy for those guys, man. That's very cool. Yeah, awesome. Not, not that we're, you know, gloating here or anything, but we know their bass player as well. Um, he actually took your place in a band. Uh, Eli. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Wait, just- Eli... Clark? Yeah, yeah, a guy is, named Eli Clark that uh, that we know. He James he's was in a band. I prevail. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, James used that. to play in a band called Search the City, and when he quit, uh, there was or, and there was another guy that took his place, and then eventually a guy named Eli Clark uh, took the, took up the mantle for a little oh. while, and uh, yeah, so that's awesome. I, I honestly didn't. You're even... like Eskimo brothers with. with oh, them. we are. Like... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, right. super fun dudes, and yeah, it was a lot cool. of fun working with them. Super humble guys, man. Yeah. It's it's uh, just uh, super nice guys to hang out with, man. Very awesome. Um, well, anyway, let's get get into it, shall we? Let's, let's get into it. Uh, today, uh, we're talking about, we're just doing a couple movies tonight. We're we're changing it up a little bit. Yeah. We're changing up the format. Instead of three movies, it's two movies. It's a completely different format. (laughs) Um, well, it's sort of lazier. It it sort of is, because typically speaking, our format is that we, uh, we have a a theme and we watch three movies have to do with it and we discuss them and that's kind of how we roll. Uh, we decided to do something a little bit different this week, uh, based on a conversation that we had, I think at the end of the show last week here, if I'm not mistaken, 
And that was, we uh, we uh, were talking about Nightmare on Elm Street for whatever reason, and we started uh, comparing and contrasting the uh, the original Nightmare on Elm Street from 1984 and the Nightmare on Elm Street remake from 2010. And we, we kind of got into a conversation about what what failed so bad about the remake like what happened like what happened in the process in the execution that it ended up being you know what it was and pretty much universally um not liked there's i think there i think it's safe to say there's very few people that i was gonna, I was gonna say in case movie. you couldn't tell from mike's intro there we weren't huge fans yeah. of the remake but it's but it's, it was it was kind of crazy just how how bad it failed though like 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 how they got it so wrong mm-hmm. and that sparked a whole conversation we thought that uh this week instead of just going through movies we would basically just have a very candid open conversation about that and remakes and how these two specifically, you know, can compare and contrast the first one to the remake and, and kind of figure out what went wrong, like yeah. what happened. Yeah. So that's that's what today's episode's all about. Um, hopefully you guys will, will dig it. If you do, we'll do more of them like this. But um, So as always, uh, when we talk about movies, we drink beers. And today we are drinking um, from Deschutes uh, Brewery. And I always forget where Deschutes is from. I think it's, is it Colorado? No, Oregon. Sorry. Yep, Oregon. Uh, it's in Oregon. Uh, we are drinking Hop Slice. Get it? Slicing. And dicing. And Freddy Krueger. Because we're talking about Freddy Krueger and he slices people up. This is Hop Slice Summer Ale from Deschutes. Um, a flor- uh, Floral hop notes meet crisp lemon refreshment. It is pale, crystal, carapil. Oh, these are the malts. Mm. Pale, crystal, carapils, dark Munich malted wheat. The hops are Centennial, Galaxy, Cascade, Lemon Drop, and Amarillo. Ooh. It's a five percenter. Third. It's a five percenter. It's a five percenter there. Um, a ver- uh, uh, floral and citrus hop notes meet oh. smooth caramel maltiness in this refreshingly balanced golden ale. This year's batch includes lemon drop hops. Grab a slice of summer in a glass. And we're going to drink it out of the bottle because that's how yes, we sir. roll. Yes, yeah. sir. This does not have lactose or honey in it, so Jay can finally drink with us. There is a baby cow in it, though. I'm actually going to... Little veal. It looks like... Oh, <laughs> look at this. If you tip it upside down, there's... I can't because my I just opened it. There's actually a lot of... Uh, oh, there's a lot of sediment. sediment. It, so when you drink it down to a little bit, you put the, the, the thing sideways and you roll it. Yeah. That's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, at least. that's how you roll. That's how, that's how I roll. <clears throat> All right, gentlemen. Yeah, let's give this a little... This is from Bend, Oregon. Bend... <laughs> Dude... <laughs> it sounds like it. It, it kind of sounds like a uh, like a guy. Like how would that be a southern accent? Saying bend over again. <laughs> bend, bend over again. <laughs> go on, bend over again. Go, go on, bend over again. Bend over again. Give it the shits. All right, I'm coming up to shoot. Cheers. All right, cheers, boys. Oh, yum. Oh, it's like, that's super refreshing. Mm, it's delightful. Wow. This is the kind of beer that I want to drink sitting on the porch in a hot summer day, just like relaxing and watching my white trash neighbors fight. <laughs> that is that is the kind of beer this is. Well, I thought I thought the husband moved out, so now they don't fight anymore. Oh, I'm surrounded by trash. <laughs> just trash bags everywhere. It's <laughs> weird, because you're, you're, you're in St. Clair yeah, Shores. Yeah, the fine part of St. Clair Shores. I just 
I happened for to some move reason into, you landed in the one street that's just filled with a bunch of people Shor- who like to Shores of Bama Let's yell at, <laughs> yell at their wives outside. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, once you've heard once you've heard one guy tell his father to go die, uh, you've heard them all, I suppose. Oh really? Oh yeah, that's a thing that happened. Oh. <laughs> Not to get depressing here, but <laughs> no, let's some let's get depressing. Got some, some people got some problems. Let's that's talk. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, yeah, that's Hop Slice Summer Ale. It's Correct. real nice, mm-hmm. real nice and refreshing. Um, so. As we often do, we got a few things wrong last week, so why don't we, we jump into that? We got quite a few things wrong last week. All right, week. let's talk Aww. about it. Yep. Stupid! You're so stupid! All right, so uh, last week we, luckily, luckily, I was afraid that I was going to listen back to the episode and I was going to have all of my Evil Dead facts wrong. Mm-hmm. And luckily, that was not the case. It's just everything else we said was wrong. <laughs> uh, so first up, H.P. Lovecraft's The Hound. We talked about that being the first time the Necronomicon was uh, uh, introduced to the world. Yeah. Uh, we said that it was published in 1927. It was published in 1924. Um, we also talked about uh, uh, the go- original Godzilla suit being made of concrete. Um it was largely made out of ready-mix concrete. Mm-hmm. However, there was likely some other things in there as well, yeah. like some other parts of it. So it wasn't it was, fully it was still concrete. Made of concrete. I just, I just wanted to, you yeah. know. Um, let's see here. Uh, Brian Henson is Jim Henson's son, not brother. You oh, said, said it was his brother. Brian Henson is his son. Yep. Oh. Yep. Okay. Um, this one's a little fun. I, I said how I didn't believe. Uh, I didn't believe. Um, Ellen Sandoist when she said that she had no idea about the tree rape scene yes. in the documentary. And uh, it dawned on me when I was listening back to it that it, I suppose that it is possible, since that was probably done in reverse, that that, that scene was probably um, reversed, oh. they could have had that up there and pulled it away and she didn't even notice. So when she said they did it in post, in post they probably, they reversed, probably it reversed it. So, so that it looked like it was I would give her in. the benefit of the doubt yeah. now the more I think about it. Yeah, I so, didn't think about that. Nope. Um, and then last thing that we got, we couldn't <clears> think of the name of the floating head in Reanimator. It's Dr. Carl Hill. Yep. So uh, I've just got one one thing too. Uh, just kind of not really a correction, but you were talking about how you hated the design of the of the Necronomicon or it, in the remake, the yeah. Natur- well, Manto. I just I just wish there was a face on it, but yeah. Um, <clears throat> I actually looked this up due to copyright issues with the original artist of the original book. Uh, the book had to be significantly redesigned. So instead, uh, so, so instead Sullivan. of a, instead of a dried face, the binding was assembled with large chunks of stitched together That's flesh. That's interesting. So Tom Sullivan didn't give didn't want to. That's very interesting. I, I it's, it's weird. Yeah. Well, I know that. Um, I think Tom Sullivan was a little bit hurt that he didn't have more to do with the subsequent films. Like he did a little bit of the stuff in Evil Dead Two, like the opening, uh, like stop motion. Oh, because they brought in Nicotero and. I think maybe there was. I know that he was hoping for these films to launch his career, and they didn't because they brought in other people. Like at the end of Evil Dead Two, Sam Raimi didn't even want them on set. Didn't want like any of the special effects people on set whatsoever. Why? I don't know. He talked. uh, uh, Tom Sullivan talked about it in the Evil Dead Two documentary that's on the Blu-ray. Um, he doesn't go into specifics, but he but he did say at one point that he was kind of hurt because he was really hoping that was. So I wonder, you think there's a little uh, bit of bad at the blood end of, there? Or? Well, at the end of Evil Dead Two, there's the the winged creature that yeah. comes in and, he sh- and Ash shoots it down. The she bitch, and it looks terrible. Yeah. It really does look bad, and he, that's what he was talking about. He said that because they weren't there to change things to make it look better, yep. they kind of just threw it together, and it was what it was, and none of them were even allowed on set to help with it. 
because that was, I guess, Tom Sullivan's um, one of his things. Huh. So, so there, there's something, something happened there. So I wonder if there was some bad blood. Yeah, I've never heard him talk about it though. I mean, I've I've met him a handful of times. Oh. He's probably not gonna, he's yeah. not gonna shit talk him. But Keeps classy about it. Sure, but, sure, sure. Yeah. So yeah. But um. Well, is that it for corrections then? That's it. That means it's time for the bleed feed, baby. That's right, folks, it's the Bleed Feed, and we're just here to blood at you. No, about a few things going on in the horror biz. Take it away, Charlie. All right, um, once again, got a death this week. Uh, Sonny Landham, or as I like to say, Landham. Landham. <laughs> I just don't know why, it's a, it's a fun name. Uh, Sonny Landham, uh, who played Billy Soul in uh, Schwarzenegger's Predator. Yeah. Uh, he passed away uh, due to congestive heart failure. Oh. Uh, he uh, he also appeared in The Warriors, which is one of my favorite fucking movies of all time. Warriors. Oh, my God. Come out to play. Oh, my God. It's so good. Like, that's a movie that I would not be upset if they remade. Uh, I thought they were. I, they? I I'm I'm actually really okay with it, providing that the right person did it. Yeah, I'd be very okay with seeing that one updated and remade. Uh, he was also in Poltergeist. Those are probably the the, the bigger ones in the genre. That uh, uh, did you say Poltergeist or Poultrygeist? Uh Poltergeist. <laughs> okay. Unless he was a headless demonic chicken running around, I don't <laughs> think that he was. He um, was. He's the guy. He he played. He was. He was the one that always played. Um. Like Native American. Yeah, he had right? in Predator. He had the giant fucking gun. Yeah, like he yeah. had the huge like chain gun, chain gun that he carried around. No, wasn't that that was Jesse the Body Ventura? Wasn't oh, it? you know what? They both did. They both did. Oh, Jesse okay. the Body had a huge one, but but uh, uh, Billy Soul did as well. You know, Jesse the Body's got a huge one. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Jesse the Donger Ventura. <laughs> All right, uh, what's next here? Uh, Martin, this is a weird story. Martin Scorsese is set to produce. A Joker origin story for Warner Brothers. Really? That's really? a really, really odd choice. I guess what Warner Brothers is doing is they want these movies. They have a, a there's a whole deal. They're it's almost like they're moving away from their their shared universe because uh-huh. this origin story is not going to be in that universe. Huh. They're like it's their standalone just origin stories for their characters and they're different character. Like this Joker will not be Jared Leto's Joker. It's going to yeah. be another different Joker. Yeah. Um, and I guess what they want is for it to be done in the style of like Raging Bull or like Taxi Driver, like these really dark like dramas almost. That's pretty cool. Like crime dramas. Well, obviously, if you have Scorsese coming in to do exactly, it. Exactly, exactly. Um, it's I, a very interesting I don't know, man. approach. It sounds, sounds pretty awesome, actually. I wonder if WB <clears throat> could finally find their niche instead of trying to emulate Marvel like they've been. Mm-hmm. They just go off and they start doing these just standalone movies, and that's what they become known for. That'd be cool. I'd be very okay with that. Yeah. Um, oh, they could have, uh, I mean, they still have the rights to Spider-Man. They could have, like, Sam Raimi come in and do Spider-Man. That'd be... <laughs> Is that a joke? <laughs> I can't tell if that's a joke or not. His first one was good. Second one was good. Third one, not so much. The third well, I, I never saw the third one all the way through. Um, it's I just, not great. I couldn't get over Tobey Maguire's acting in that yeah, movie. Yeah, no, it's terrible. He's awful. Uh, and, and Topher Grace as Venom oh. was, like, the worst casting choice. Bad. But he's my favorite character because he's fucking Venom. Like he gets a pass. <laughs> he's fucking Venom. I mean, kind of. Like he's, I guess he's in there. <laughs> Just giving him the. All old. right. Um, we've talked about how sci-fi is uh, 
booting up a Tremors series coming up here. Mm -hmm. And uh, the <clears> series <throat> pilot is about to be directed, and uh, their director they got for it is a... Uh, He's a genre guy. Uh, his name is uh, Vincenzo. No, I said it wrong. I said it wrong. I even told you how to say <laughs> the name before the show. Vincenzo. Vincenzo Natale. I made him Italian again for some reason. I don't think he is. Um, anyway, he's the director. Wait, wait, are you kidding? Vincenzo? You don't think he's Italian? It sounds like it could be Latin. No. No? No. Okay. So Vincenzo Natale. All there right. you go. Uh, he's, he uh, is behind uh, Cube, which is a fantastic movie if you've uh -huh. never seen it. And then uh, Split. Uh, and then he also like the James McAvoy movie. No, no, no. This oh one, no, that was Splice. I think it's Splice. splice I have it written down to Split. I think that's my bad. You uh, splice. All Sorry. over the place. He also man. was directed TV though in Hannibal, The Strain, and the newly American Gods series. Oh, cool. So he's he knows his way around uh, TV, and he's a genre guy, so he knows what he's doing. So that's fun. Uh, there's no real news behind this other than the headline: Stranger Thing, Stranger Things season three has already been confirmed. Cool. That's pretty awesome. All right. Yeah. I think uh, I think they have a bona fide hit on their hands if, uh, you know, season one did pretty okay. We just... Uh, <laughs> I, would, I would say so. Aaron and I, I finally got Aaron to watch it, and uh, we just finished... Did she love it? Huh? Did she love it? Uh, y yes, I think. I, you'd have to you ask smell her. That? I don't know. You smell that? Does it smell like bullshit? It smells like divorce court. <laughs> <laughs> no, she did. She liked it a lot. She was... She didn't like the ending very much. But that's... I don't know. I, I, I don't know. You you talk to her about her first right. episode or uh, the whole season. No, we finished the whole okay. season. So Nobody's... I was I was happy to rewatch it since the new season's coming out in yep. September. It's nice to have a refresher, and mm -hmm. it just got me amped up again. Just uh, to I don't I don't know exactly where he's from, but uh, or what his lineage is. But Vincenzo Natale is actually from Detroit. Really? Yeah. Oh, interesting. I just looked him up. Interesting. I did not know that. That's yep. <clears throat> that's actually kind of cool. Yes. Oh boy, very cool. Um, you'll be excited about this. Uh, there was a little TV show that we used to watch, which was one of the, the the, a gem. I believe it was on Netflix when we watched it, but an absolute gem that we found. Uh, the show called Todd and the Book of Pure Evil. Yeah. Um, one of the funniest shows, I, uh, horror shows I've ever seen in my <clears> life. <throat> um, it's 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 a cross between, how would you say, it? Uh, like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Evil Dead. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like the two main, I think, uh, shows that you could cross it with. And like, uh, there was another, and uh, and like, what could you compare it to as far as the the metal aspect of it goes? <sighs> yeah, um, uh, Deathgasm maybe. It's, yeah. a, it's a newer but, movie, but well, yeah, I was gonna say that's newer than. That it's, was like a, Buffy, it's Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Evil Dead put in a blender with like a metal band. So right. it was a show when we were younger? No, no, it was oh, a newer oh, oh. show. Uh, what was it? 2012, 13? Oh, maybe, okay. uh, maybe 2010. It that new, maybe no. 20, that'll be a correction for yeah. next week. Uh, Jason Mewes was in it. He played okay. he played the stoner janitor. Go figure. Um, I don't think there's anybody else of note that was necessarily in it. but uh, 2010. The, there you go. <clears throat> the, uh, the characters in this show are fantastic if you've never seen it. It's hilarious. If you ever wanted to see a show... That has a uh, a giant penis that takes over a high school <laughs> that talks like Audrey too from Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah. This is your show. It's amazing. Yeah, um, so anyway, cool. uh, there's two seasons of that show, and everybody wanted a third season, but it wasn't going to happen. And so what they decided to do is make an animated movie to cap off the series. Mm -hmm. This was years ago when they announced that this was happening. We finally got a trailer for it, and oh, really? it looks fantastic i haven't seen it Is it, it, it looks, looks good? really good yeah cool. I'm, I'm super excited about it there's no release date yet for do it. do they no. have all the original actors playing the voices and i everything? believe so cool. yep yep um so no <clears throat> no release date yet but it looks as though it's it's on its way to being completed so that's awesome awesome 
Um, this is fun. If you live in the Austin area, which I'm super jealous of anybody that does, uh, on September 14th, Alamo Drafthouse and Sci-Fi are screening a... Uh, they're screening Evil Dead 2 in the middle of the woods. Awesome. With Bruce Campbell. Oh. Ooh. That's fantastic. With Bruce. With Bruce. Man. I, I think it's part of his... Um, if his it's part of his Hail to the Chin book tour that he's on right now. Oh yeah. So I think it probably coincides with that. Is that the one you just picked up? I did just pick it up. Have you started reading it yet? Uh one chapter. How is it so far? I mean good. It's it's a, it it picks up exactly where <coughs> um uh his first one uh, his first uh, uh, biography book left off. If right. chins could kill. <laughs> it picks up right after that. That's basically the first fifteen years of his career. This is the second fifteen years, and then he's gonna do a third one when he's like seventy, he says, for like the final 15 years of his career so that's awesome yeah it's an awesome book but if you live in the austin area tickets are available now go watch evil dead 2 in the woods mm -hmm. with bruce campbell yeah why, would, why, yeah, would why, you not? why wouldn't you <laughs> <laughs> um and then uh our last bit of news is a big one for me uh this happened this is actually brand new news just literally just happened last night um I, i'm a huge Adam Green fan. Mm -hmm. uh, massive Adam. If you've listened to the show, you know that. I've been following his career pretty much since the very beginning. And, oh, I, sure, sure. <laughs> um, now that you've, you know, reenacted my life. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so Adam Green, if you don't know who he is for some reason, uh, he directed uh, the first two Hatchet movies, which are his big franchise with uh, Victor Crowley. Uh, he produced the third movie, um, B.J. McDowell, is that his name? B.J. McDonald. McDonald directed the third movie. Um, he's done a slew of other stuff, though, too. He did Digging Up the Marrow uh, with Frozen. Ray Wise, which I love that movie. Frozen. Spiral. Spiral. I haven't Spiral. seen Spiral yet. Uh, he co-directed that with uh, Joel David Moore. Oh, right on. Um, but anyway, though, he's he's done a lot of stuff, the TV show Holliston. And uh, this year marks the 10-year anniversary of the first Hatchet movie, his, his very first movie. And so uh, he's been talking about... For the last little bit on the podcast, they've been talking about how they're doing this 10th, 10-year uh, anniversary event in uh, LA, and that's going to basically kick off a 10-year anniversary tour, where he's going to tour around the world, sort of, and show Hatchet at different screenings and whatnot. Right. That. <clears throat> um, so he had said in past interviews that uh, with the Hatchet series, <clears throat> since that's his biggest claim to fame, that one and two every time they make a hatchet movie it takes like years off their life because they're so difficult because they film in swamps and right. people get hurt and this and that and the third movie was such a bad experience for them in general that they were done with it mm -hmm. they're absolutely done with it um and then he goes on uh to talk a lot about uh george romero and uh this, this a lot of this is coming from uh, a video clip uh, of the actual event in la the other night yeah and he goes on to talk about how um when he was going through a lot of really just bad shit in his life, people people were dying left and right. His wife divorced him. Uh, his show went under. Like it was a really really bad portion of his life. And uh, George Romero, being the stand up guy that he is, um, they were doing a panel together. Adam Green was kind of interviewing him, being the, the moderator of the panel. Mm -hmm. And George Romero, at the end of the um, at the end of the the the, the session. You know, talked to him a little bit and said some some words of encouragement and this and that, and said something to him about you know look at all these people out here they're not here for just me they're here for you too look there's hatchet shirts and Holliston shirts and people are cheering for you how do you not notice this? Well, I was re I was reading a little bit of, of the blog entry that uh, Green wrote about this too and and he said that uh, one of the things George Romero said to him was because he he said I've 
I've packed away Hatchet. I'm done with that. I'm moving on yep. with my life. And Ramiro said to him, like, you gotta, you gotta really think about who you are, what you are. And he, he literally said to him, "You are Hatchet." Yeah. You know, that's yeah. who you are. Yeah. And like not, and not in a bad way. Not, not to sure. say like that's all you are, but like these people out here, they, they just love like George Romero was the created. of the dead guy. Right. You know, he did other things, yeah. but he's always gonna be the of the dead guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So and uh, <laughs> so in that exchange, right before Romero walks away, he basically says to him, uh, "Victor Crowley is not dead, and you are not done, you know, with with Hatchet." Or I'm paraphrasing that, but something along those lines. Um, so that brings us to the to the present, where Green's been working on a secret movie for the last two years. He's a big proponent of not talking about them until they're done, because mm-hmm. he has you know lots of build up and takes kind of the luster away from it. And uh, so at the screening, this is the news part of it, at the screening last night, the very first screening in L.A., uh, he comes out to introduce Hatchet and tells this long story and then proceeds to go on saying, we're not here to watch Hatchet. We're here to watch the new Hatchet movie. (laughs) And just, like, blindsided everybody in that room. Like, nobody knew this was coming. There's video of all this? No, yeah, yeah, it's it's incredible. Nobody knew this was coming, though. Like, like, and, and the crowd just erupted, like, of just pure, like, like, uh, you, you heard it. Like, it's, it's, it's magical almost. Like, (laughs) like, that's, and the cool part about it, the reason that I wanted to bring this up is because, you know, the horror community is a really special community in the sense that, the people that love this stuff love this stuff. Like yeah. it is their life, you know. Um, when I was watching the the video earlier today, I'm I'm not even ashamed to admit it. I kind of teared up a little bit because you tear up about everything. I do, I do. I'm whatever. <laughs> Thanks, mom. Um, no, but I, I'm watching it though. And like he's telling this story, and you can see the the outpouring of love in the room though, because yeah. people love this stuff. Yeah. It's a big part of their lives. It's 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 a huge deal to these people. Um, <clears throat> and I wanted to kind of share that with everybody because I thought it was cool. Uh, I had Jay pull some audio from the video clip. Oh, cool. And so I'm gonna play that. So I just want people to hear. When he announces this, you can hear it in his voice how much he loves it, and then you can hear <laughs> some people more than others, like how much the people just went nuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is a really cool listen. Well, so, let's hear it. Yep. I'm not the tallest guy, so to me, everybody's like nine, <laughs> ten feet tall. <laughs> but George is like fifty feet tall, and he looks at me over his glasses and he just smiled and he said, "You're not done," and Victor Crowley's not dead, and he left. And that's why, thanks to George Romero, who was supposed to be here tonight, but we missed it by 37 days, we're not here to watch Hatchet. We're here to watch a new Hatchet movie. What the Yeah, and I what, the, what the fuck? fuck? Yeah. <laughs> there's another guy. If you listen closely, there's another guy. Who goes, holy shit! Like there's just people freaking out, no, and awesome. uh, and that applause goes on for like it was like a double standing ovation for That's this. Really they got cool. another one at the end of the movie. Like this was like a quarter of what that initial applause. Yeah, clip it was. goes on for so long. Like I said, he just kind of stops and stands there, and this is kind of why like it kind of brought a tear to my eye though because I followed this dude's career, like his journey, personally, professionally, whatever. 
and you could just see like 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 this meant a ton to this one individual guy standing there yeah. and all these people just like pouring the support into I don't know it was it was just a really cool well, moment. Adam Adam Green's just like incredibly passionate and you can tell like if you if you listen to the to the movie crypt like he he really throws literally everything that he has in at him, in himself at at most his projects which most is everything all all the projects that he does like does he doesn't get paid for them like he does <laughs> right. he works like the equivalent of like 10 jobs mm -hmm. of writing gigs and editing gigs and the, like not editing but like script doctoring and stuff right. like that they've mentioned he does like he does so many wears so many different hats just to be able to afford to do what he wants to do right um like all of his original shows on his website they don't get paid for them. they right. all do it for free yeah. i guarantee you he didn't make anything on this he probably waved away his 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 director's fee to put it into the movie. I and, guarantee. And he now did. he's and now he's what I was reading earlier. He's taking this and he's doing a tour yep. with with this new movie. That's, like, that's, with, that's uh, what I really like about him too. Is like there's not a lot of directors that go out and pound the pavement after they're done with their movies. They no. just sit back and rake in their checks. You know, a like, lot of in he, fairness, he tours like he's in a band, and he takes well, his he shows. Now. He he wasn't. They haven't played yet. What? They haven't played yet. It's his old band, but before he was a director. <laughs> no, no, no. What he's saying talking? he's saying that he he does it like a touring band where they get out and they hustle and they go out there showing their music, trying to sell oh, it to people in well, malls. The like... reason I'm confused is because Adam Green actually does sing for a band now. No, yeah, that's okay. fine. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying like with his projects, he 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 goes out and he tours with them like, like, a like band. he's in a that's band. That's because he's passionate about it and loves what he does. You know, well, he's in a good he's in, in a good position to he's do a, it. Got a great voice. You can't just make a movie. <laughs> hate you guys i well, hate you well you're stupid mike so <laughs> um right. yeah no it's just it's just a cool thing hopefully yeah. they come to detroit if so we're going I, if they're going if they're anywhere within like three hours of us we'll go yeah yeah so, or, or five or six whatever eight ten yeah, ten twelve whatever <laughs> road trip we'll be there uh anyway all right that'll uh that'll do it for the bleed feed that was a long mm, one that trip. was the bleed feed and those are the stories that made the cut Boom, that was the news. All right, uh, we will be right back to talk about A Nightmare on Elm Street and the remake and what went wrong. Throughout this, they'll see faces ripped apart with hooks, a man slashing himself into a bloody pulp, and graphic, macabre, torturous images that defy description. Alright folks, it's time to talk about A Nightmare on Elm Street. Now, uh, as Mike mentioned, we're going to talk about what's uh, what's terribly wrong with the original 1984 version and what went so right. Why, why is the remake so superior? <laughs> with the 2010 version. So let's, I mean, just, let's just jump into this shit show right now. <laughs> so who is Robert Englund and why does he suck so yeah, bad? Yeah, let's talk about this asshole. <laughs> All right, so uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, circa 1984. Um, the story goes like this. Several people are hunted by a cruel serial killer who kills his victims in their dreams. While the survivors are trying to find the reason for being chosen, the murderer won't lose any chance to kill them as soon as they fall asleep. Did that make sense? No, it's a. It's another, I, like I said last week, I always get these off of IMDb and who the fuck. I mean, in all fairness, who hasn't seen A Nightmare on Elm Street? If you listen to this podcast, if you haven't seen A Nightmare on Elm Street, I question why you're listening to this podcast. Oh, I didn't watch it. Was I supposed to watch it? 
fucking cool. <laughs> Freddie Goofer? Was that his name? <laughs> Freddie Goofer. Freddie Goofer. Um, so this was directed and written by Wes Craven, yes. the legendary Wes Craven. Mm-hmm. Rest in peace. Yes, and uh, let's uh, let's just jump right into it. Well, let's. I want to jump into what made. I mean, everyone's seen A Nightmare on Elm Street. I yeah. don't think we need to get into it, into the actual movie too much. I want to like let's. Why? What made that movie so good? Because it is. <clears throat> there's there's very few things in my opinion. I have there there are things you can watch it and you can point out and go, oh that, oh that, oh that. But as a whole, that movie really does work mm-hmm. on every level. I think it's just the idea of what's happening, like uh, being being at home, safe and warm in your bed. Like that's where you know that's that's a comfort zone. Mm-hmm. But then you suddenly have this you have this entity showing up in your dreams, and and all of a sudden this like this safe place for you becomes the worst possible place to be. And that's yeah. really scary. And it's it's an invasion of your privacy almost, your mental like privacy. It's, it's an invasion of your be- of your being. You're invading and my safe space. Everybody can relate to the the premise is so genius because everybody can relate to having bad dreams. Right. Everybody on the planet can relate to it. Yeah. Um but you wake up and you're okay. Exactly. Exactly. Like it's it's one of those those situations where everyone's woken up from a bad dream and still felt like they were dreaming, and you wake up a little bit startled, and you have to kind of get your grasp on reality, and you realize everything's okay. Like the idea of that not being the case is terrifying. Yeah, it really, really is. Um, and the idea from this actually came from a real life thing. It was uh, a bunch of kids over, and you were right. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. I said it was one kid, and You're you said it was right, a bunch. I was right. Because uh, I'm there always was, right. It was it was like a kid from like Indonesia, the Philippines, and one of those other like uh, like Asian rim countries. Let me just let me read this whole thing to you because it's it's pretty interesting. And uh, just so we don't get it wrong, I want to read okay. this this portion of this to you. Um, Wes Craven first came up with the basic idea for the movie from a series of articles in the Los Angeles Times over a three year period about a group of Southeast Asian refugees from the Hmong tribe, several of whom died in the throes of horrific nightmares. The group had come to the U.S. to escape the murderous reign of Pol Pot. I don't know if I'm saying that right or not. And within uh, within a year of arriving, three men had died all in similar situations. The young, otherwise healthy man- men would have a nightmare, uh, then refuse to sleep for as long as they possibly could. Uh, when they finally fell asleep from exhaustion, they woke screaming and then died. Autopsy results revealed that they had not died from heart failure, but had simply died. It was the inability to find cause of death that intrigued Craven so much. Medical authorities have since called the phenomenon Asian Death Syndrome, a variant of Sudden Unexpected Death Syndrome, SUDS, not SIDS, which is Sudden Infant Death Syndrome, and also they call it the Brugada Syndrome. Hmm. That's really, it's crazy. It's cra- it's it's, like, it really is. It's terrifying. Yeah, just like unexplained death in, in otherwise <laughs> healthy men. It's like when I was a kid and I was afraid of spontaneous combustion. Like, <laughs> yeah. like no one knows why it happens. Right. It just does. Yeah. Terrifying. Yeah, it's really um, weird. But like but but once again, to reiterate, it's something that everybody can relate to. Mm-hmm. And it was it's a it was a genius idea that got passed by like a ton of studios. It wasn't until Bob Shea saw the genius in it and New Line, you know, was a brand new company and so they took a chance on it and they, they made the movie. New Line had only put out what, one other movie? Uh I think prior? they had done three, but they were a distribution company. I think this was. I think Nightmare might have been one, the first one or two, 
that they actually like made themselves and yeah. before they right. were a distribution company. It could be a little bit off on that, but and if you keep if you keep up with horror and and, and stuff like that, a lot of people know New Line Cinema as the house that Freddie built exactly because uh, prior to prior to picking up this movie, they were starting to go under. Yep. And they needed they, a hit. And they then, needed yeah, something they, to stay afloat. They picked this up after, what, five, six, seven studios had already passed on it. Everybody wanted Wes Craven to either change the story to make it less violent or add in more comedy or... Well, so They just didn't get the idea as well, though. They right. would say, like, like, oh, it happens in their dreams. What's, what's scary about dreams? Like, they didn't understand the concept. Which is a ridiculous thing to say. It is, in <laughs> retrospect, yeah, absolutely. So um, New Line picked it up and it... And it was a huge hit for them. Yeah, um, and that's that. That was like the first step in making uh, this film that, that has lasted generations. Um, on top of that, you have the the cast, Robert Englund. Like the you don't think of Nightmare on Elm Street without thinking of Freddy Krueger, obviously. Right. Actually, I think most people probably think of Freddy Krueger before they think of that first movie. Some he's some, so iconic. Some people now. know yeah. who Freddy Krueger is and don't even know what you were just telling us about uh, a friend of yours whose kid wanted to go to Halloween or out for Halloween as Freddy Krueger uh, right right but didn't didn't know where he didn't know, know where it was from, from. he was from. just knew Freddy Krueger was cool and scary yeah right uh, yeah I mean it's uh, <clears throat> it's just an iconic figure that heck even for me like I, I've said it countless times on the show I got a Nightmare on Elm Street at three years old when I first watched it <laughs> And I was just like, that is awesome! Fuck yeah, mom and dad, I'm three! And I curse, because I'm cool. <laughs> and, uh, and, and and it just drew me in, like, his character, the the creepiness, but, like, the it, it was like he was cool at the same time, you know? I was, yeah, that was kind of where I was going. Like, the the, the character that Robert Englund built, like, the, the, there was the character that was written on the page, uh, but when you listen to Robert Englund talk about, like, really crafting that character, especially for the first movie, like... Everything, like like everything about him, the, his his he was almost like a joyful killer. Like he had like this very animated attitude about him. You know that was very, yeah. it's kind of, it sucked you in. Like it was it was approachable. It was like he, approachable evil. <laughs> he loved he loved doing what he was doing. You yeah. know he wasn't like yeah. this dark. I mean he was dark and sadistic, but at the same time he was having such a good time. <laughs> You're just mm-hmm. kind of like all right, it's it's a murder party. Let's and, do it. Really, really quick before I for, it slips my mind and forget, there used to be a, a video store. If, if for those of you kids out there, that there used to be these things where you went and rented movies from a place. You had to oh, drive there. It was what's crazy. What's the website for that? <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a video zone, and it it was not a .dot com. It was on their marquee out in front of the store, and the uh, the owner there, who was a younger guy, had a, he was a friend of of Robert England and oh, knew, really? him for a, knew him for a long time and count tons of pictures up all around so I always enjoyed seeing that and there was one time where he had the actual glove on display in a locked case oh really that uh, he let him borrow to display in a store for oh, a little bit cool. so seeing that as a kid you know five six years it's old when, th- when that's something you love was awesome I wonder if that dude stole it <laughs> because it could be the original glove went missing the, the, they used the original glove for the first two movies and then when they went to use it for the third movie it was gone ah it's probably it's that possible. dude has it still could somewhere. be he just cracked the code <laughs> um, but yeah no uh, like Robert England like, he built this character even up down to the, did you ever notice how in the first movie how, how Freddy walks with like a little bit of a limp like his one shoulder's cocked down and one's oh, yeah. a little bit higher yeah he did that because the glove was so heavy that it actually drug his arm down, and he used that like almost as if like the glove is like in a holster, and the holster pulls your hip down. Mm-hmm. And like cowboys will kind of have that stagger where one one side is a little bit lower because like the guns on that side. Mm-hmm. 
he he like made that into the character and gave Freddy this iconic walk. So when you see him in shadow, he's a little bit off. Mm-hmm. Like, like all of these different things went into this character that just made it so legendary. And uh, and and when you when you look at the remake, it none of it is there. None of it. Well, let's not get into the remake. I want I want to so. talk about both intermittently. I think it's important. Uh, okay. Well, I you f- know, like I, I figured you, let's, you do have let's, to hop back and forth. Yeah. A little yeah. Bit. Okay. I, I thought we were going to talk. Do... I thought we were going to talk about how great the original is, and then come in with. Well, the... <laughs> I, we could, but like I don't. This is, I, don't I want this to be more of a discussion based. Okay. Like, like, sure. Like in the in the remake, you know, you have Jackie Earl Haley, and we'll get into him personally a little bit later. Right. But like his version of Freddy, like, we're talking about why the remake didn't work. Mm-hmm. His version of Freddy is empty. There's, Hi there's... guys, I'm Freddy. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I got out of it. There's nothing behind, like, there's nothing in the soul of that character, though. Like, there's literally nothing there. Yeah, his I I really like I like Jackie Earl Haley a lot. As He's an a actor. fantastic actor. Um, and I would go as far as to say that I still think he could make a great Freddy. But this, whatever they did, the studio at the time when they were making this remake. The studio, like they were in this weird zone of like, like Jay was saying, he watched it last night as well. Mm-hmm. It's like it, like any of the big Hollywood horror movies that came out, like Final Destination or I Know What You Did Last Summer, or any of these like these like teeny bopper, so, not teeny bopper, but like these really like polished uh, Hollywood horror movies. That's all it was. Like right. we, when we were watching it, it's like you could put Freddy vs. Jason and a Nightmare on Elm Street remake. You could like intertwine the scenes and make the same movie. It would look identical. They had the same look to them. Yeah. yeah. They reminded me of like a uh uh like a final destination type movie. Like the style it was filmed, the kind of right. how they acted, the dialogue. Um, the yeah. Yeah. Especially. I, yeah. The lighting and the cinema. But you know what? And speaking of him yeah. trying to fill fill the shoes of, of Freddy Krueger, like there's um I mean that that's a character that was already made and he was designed back in that day so you're trying to be that character and it's huge shoes to fill sure you know so i i get it a little bit i think when it comes to the, the character of freddy krueger though the, the the big problem with what they did in the remake is that the studio probably like jackie earl haley was probably acting under the orders of what the director wanted samuel and, samuel bayer by the way who this was uh, sorry to interject here but i think we need to set up who he is a mm-hmm. little bit first of all it, really, this is his only uh, major motion picture credit. Yeah, he is a he's he's a guy who he he directs music videos. Which that's not to say that guys who direct music videos aren't uh, talented most directors. The, most of the great directors like from that era came from music video. Right, but it it just it made me it 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 left me wondering like was was this really was this really your best choice. Like you're gonna you're gonna remake you're gonna remake a, a a movie that's so iconic that like you have an entire not just like one gener like two three generations of people who hold like who put the original Nightmare uh, on Elm Street up on a high pedestal and you're gonna have some guy come in who's never directed a feature before and try it. I think what happened I'm I'm just conjecture here but like I think what happened is is. In a lot of cases, you'll get these guys that do music video or short films or, or whatever they do, and they'll be picked up as like the new darling. Like, we're going to give this first-time director, we like his vision, we like what he does. We're going to give him a shot. And and that happens with, with a lot of people. Like Joe Lynch got, <clears throat> was a music video director. He They picked him up to do Wrong Turn uh, 2. Right. Now, granted, that was a, a direct-to-video sequel, not quite as big as... A Nightmare on Elm Street. I guess that's kind of my point, though. Like They gave, they they gave, Joe, Lynch, they gave Joe Lynch a shot. 
and and, and it was a success because sure. Wrong Turn Two was pretty awesome. Uh, it, they gave him a shot, but they gave him a shot with a movie that was like it's it's like it's the type of movie that you should give a a, a, a music video director a shot. Yeah, with. someone who's, a, someone who's been around the block a few times. It's like here's the new. And I relate a lot of things to music because that's what I do. But here's the new guy that just got a music production school. Here's the Beatles. Right. Record them. You know, yeah. yeah. Give him some little indie band that just got signed. Let him let him learn the ropes a bit. Yeah, exactly. There's a part of me that wonder. I don't I don't know that I can fully blame this on Samuel Bear though because. I feel as though they hired him, and the studio had such a clear idea of what they wanted. He he, he probably had no choice, but unless you unless he wouldn't leave the project, he was going to do what the studio pressured him into doing. And that's huge and responsibility. Platinum, and do you Platinum think that's Dunes, why they brought him in? Because they knew that they could kind of tell I him what to do? I don't know for sure. It's always a possibility. I don't know. Yeah. But like, I feel as though you have Platinum Dunes, which is this, this massive company owned and operated by Michael Bay. Like it's it's his company, and yeah. he's used to doing these massively polished Hollywood movies. That doesn't always work with with genre films, and it, and especially hardly ever when works you're with genre when you're films. remaking. The, one of the things that made the original Nightmare on Elm Street so amazing is the fact that it was made for practically nothing. It's dirty, it's grimy, it's dark, and it was filled with passionate people mm-hmm. that real they, they they wanted this movie to succeed so much in the remake i said this before it's almost soulless there's like nothing behind it yeah well step like, by step scene for scene there it's just playing the, the part you know yeah well that that's a that, that's that's another thing they did like the 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 story it's a practically a shot for shot remake yeah, they did i mean they deviate quite a bit yeah, but there's but a lot of, there's a they? lot of the same elements do they yes how what do you mean how, how? there's I, they they, pre- they pretty much shot for shot remade that most of the all the high points of those movies. Well, yeah, the high points, but I'm I'm saying the, the, what a, was, a movie is not just high points. Well, the only thing that I can think of that's different is they added in the fact that he was a janitor. They gave him a little bit of a backstory, um, and then they and they they spelled out spoilers if you haven't seen it, but they clearly spell out that yes, he did actually molest these kids, and they spell it out in sort of like insulting to the audience kind of way to where it's like well the audience isn't going to get it unless we just blast him with information yeah and that's that's not it doesn't work that way it's i don't know it's it's just not right well i guess my point is though like you're because to say it's a shot for shot remake it's kind of that's not it's not not a hundred percent it really wasn't there was (laughs) there was a lot of stuff in the remake that wasn't in the original besides what i just said what the the opening diner scene the the scenes where okay uh, so the opening diner the scene, scene where they, the scene where Nancy backstory. and Quentin are like in 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 the library there's like there's different kills there's and stuff like three that's like three that's like three set pieces that are not in the original and that's it I could continue you want me to continue listing stuff off I mean it's, it's not, there's I, well, there's a lot that's different they did hit a lot of the same points and they did add a, they do have a lot of the uh, same kills and scenes from the original but it's not a shot for shot remake it it's a shot for shot remake in the sense that they don't do anything new they might put the characters in 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 new spaces sure Uh, and aside from a couple little deviances in adding things to the story it's the exact same story though every kill is the same for the most part Uh, hell the, the main character is still named nancy it's the same thing with her mother it's the same thing with their they're taking the don't sleep sleeping pills and they're take which that's fine, but like, 
I don't know everything about it. The only thing they really changed is that they gave the backstory to Freddy Krueger, which isn't needed. One of the, one of the yeah, great I, things I, about I the original is that you don't really know if he was what they said he was. Like, there was always kind of room to doubt that did you, maybe Did you know that wasn't? he was originally written as a child molester? In the yes. in the original, yes. But they there was a there was apparently a string of uh, child molestations that happened in California right around the time that this movie was being made, and they had to dumb it down a little. Well, bit. they thought they thought that a, a lot of people thought that um, Wes Craven, if he added that into the story, it would it would almost seem like he was um, P- like pushing people to to do something like that. Maybe. Well, no, 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 like exploiting oh. exploiting yeah. what was happening, like exploiting people's fears. Okay, I thought you were getting to like getting it's into like, these people's no, minds, no, like, like kill no. everybody. <laughs> no, like they were it, like he was exploiting real fears, things that were actually happening right. in California at the it's, time. It's like how in order in, to cash in on it, you there know was what I mean? one of the Sam Raimi Spider Man movies where uh, Spider Man had strung a web and was sitting in a web between the twin towers, oh, and it was yeah. right. Before before the Twin Towers went mm. down. Mm-hmm. And so they took that out of the movie. Yeah. It was actually, and I think, I believe that was actually in one of the early trailers. Was they it? took it out of the shot. movie right before the Twin Towers went down. They knew. Oh. Well, they, no, but... no. It was, the, <laughs> it was after the, 9-11. It was the Illuminati. <laughs> no, but it, it's, it's it's more of a, a sensibility thing. You know what yeah, I'm saying? No, like no, they, oh, yeah. they took it out because they didn't want, you know, the obvious, what was going to come after that. People well, would yeah. come after them for doing it and like, right. they, they avoided it. Um, but that being said, I don't care how it was originally written. You're, you're basing this off the movie that was there, yep. you know, and it worked and it ended up working better being a little bit more, not so obvious. It worked out better in my opinion, because you don't really know Freddie's backstory. He's scary oh, yeah. because you don't know his backstory. Right. Like, like who is said, this guy? Where well, did they, he come from? Well, like, uh, Nancy's mom says that he was a, a child killer. She but comes out and says that. Yeah, but... They don't explain Like They, they don't. They say who he was, but they don't really go into detail about how it happened or or Freddy Krueger as a person, as Fred Krueger before it happened. Like they don't really get into that. Right. You're kind of left to imagine the kind of person that he was. Well, yeah, and you just fill in the blanks by yourself. Like you say, like in the remake, they it's almost like they were acting like the audience was stupid. Mm-hmm. Like we have to spell this out for you. Yes, he was a child molester. Which, whatever. That's I. That's what you did. That's that's your prerogative but like you don't need to do that audiences aren't stupid Mm -hmm. some people are stupid (laughs) but for the most part you don't need to like you don't need to have everything like right on the nose like that no leaving leaving the audience in in a state of of what if and 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 leaving things open-ended that 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 works because like we said at the beginning of the show we get into hours long conversations about what does this mean what is this what is this and it's it's no longer just like a two-hour affair Mm-hmm. It lasts. You talk about it. It stays in your your stays in your head, and and it, and it creates this longer lasting effect that gives the movie legs. It gives it, you know, arms to reach out down into the future, and you can do more with it, and you can gives play it with legs it more. And arms. It becomes a whole person. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying though? Like it, it it becomes a much. It comes bigger than itself. Right. Put it that way. Um, and this remake like left nothing to the imagination. No. Absolutely nothing to where when the movie was over, you just kind of didn't care anymore. Yeah. Like you weren't you didn't want a second one. You didn't want I definitely did not want a second yeah, one. Yeah. Well, and more reasons for do that. You, but... Do you think that they intended to like completely reboot the series? Like did they think this was going to be like here we go, here's Freddy again. If that again. movie would have done extremely well, I guarantee you we would have had two more sequels already. If that movie would have done well, mm-hmm. I guarantee it. That's, yeah, that's, that's it's the Hollywood seven machine. Seven years ago, so 
they were making this they were making the remake because that's what hollywood especially at the time that's all they were doing was remakes and sequels and that is it well yeah i mean nothing this, original this, was coming the, out of those the camps. remake came out right after the friday the 13th remake mm-hmm. uh just a few years after the texas chainsaw remake mm-hmm. and both of those were i know texas chainsaw was pretty um pretty well received yeah, for the most I part i liked it I liked it. Uh, well, Friday- you, get, you get some hit or misses with that, you know. Sometimes you you take a classic and, and they redo it and it comes out awesome, and then some. You know, sometimes it's a miss, you know. Well, and I yeah. think I think that I think what I think that their their fatal error was that they took the classic, and they even said this like we watched the uh, the special feature called um, Freddy Krueger Reborn or something mm-hmm. like this that. Is on, this is on the 2010 remake, uh, right? And and uh, and they're talking about it like. They're like, what we wanted to do was, everybody knows the story of Freddy. We wanted to take the char- character of Freddy and completely reinvent him. And they didn't. Which, if you're going to do that, do it. And if you're going to completely reinvent him, re kind of reinvent... The re- whole character. Reinvent the, not only the character, but kind of the... The circumstances and the... Uh, they tried to do that by giving you more backstory, but that, that kind of that fell was flat. I... And they did it, was, it and it they was, did it. The same company, Platinum Dunes, did the Friday the 13th remake. Now, that remake wasn't, that wasn't, we like it. It wasn't universally liked, but it did way better than the Nightmare on Elm Street remake. Well, you And you, that's you a also, perfect example. Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. No, it's but right. it, It's a perfect example of taking the source material and then tweaking it and making it different enough to where it feels different. But it's also approachable to the original fans. Like, they did not change Jason to the point where he was unrecognizable, but they made him fast. They made they gave him more of a humanistic side to where they showed where he lived. You know, it showed kind of, it showed him kind of moseying around the woods. Like what does he do after he steals somebody's body? Oh, he brings it back to the house. Like like Which those those were actually parts that I didn't like in the remake. But but it like like them or not, they did it in a way where it wasn't totally offensive. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like they, 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 they tried to broaden the scope of what Jason Voorhees was, and in terms of Nightmare on on Elm Street, yes, they gave him that backstory, but it's it didn't seem it seemed out of place. It seemed very tacked on. It was you know what forced, I'm forced. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it just didn't work. Mm-hmm. It, and Mike you know, and I were talking right a little bit before you got here that you know this whole Hollywood how they they make everything dark and all their new movies and it. I probably would have appreciated the, the the new Freddy a little more if they did that with that actually this time around. If they Be- went even darker, you mean? Because like you know the same same color sweater, same hat. You know if they if they did something different to him, like I, I didn't really care for the Freddy character this time around. No, the makeup I didn't like. Um, Mm-hmm. And what were you saying? If they made the uh, the green like super dark, almost like <laughs> well, a black. That's that, that's what I was saying. Like, if they're gonna <laughs> spend this time, if they're gonna put all this effort into you know, because obviously if you've seen the movie, you know that that Jackie Earl Haley's Freddy looks nothing like Robert Englund's Freddy. They're two right. very different character designs. You know what? Fine. Even though I don't like the way it turned out, at least they tried to change it up and take a different approach to the character. Why would you then give him the same fedora, the same bright colored t-shirt this, or, or sweater? Mm-hmm. Why would you? Why wouldn't you like, reinvent the character? Yeah, you 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 only went. It's like a, it's like. But then you but then you run the risk of like really pissing off a lot of, like if he didn't have if if you had Freddy Krueger if you had a nightmare on or a nightmare on Elm Street movie with Freddy Krueger with no fedora, and no sweater. That's not what I'm saying. 
like if I'm you completely say- reinvented I'm the- not saying change what he's wearing change the the I'm not saying take the sweater and hat off of them, mm-hmm. but just change the sweater and hat. It can be red and and green still. Mm-hmm. Make the I was telling Justin this well before you got here. Make those greens like super dark, almost where in low light they look black, and make that red a really deep looking red. Like make that sweater super dirty, like he was rolling around in oil or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Like just drab those colors out for this type of movie. If they, I I, I have a feeling that the whole idea for this character is. We want Freddy Krueger, but we want to take all the humor out of him. We want him to be scary. We want him to be serious. A super scary, fierce Freddy Krueger. Take the take that kind of like joyous, like like he takes joy well, that, in his kills. Take that, was, that out of it. That was one of my main issues with it is they they didn't uh, they mostly took the humor out of him, except for he still cracked a few jokes, which. Uh, like I said, Jackie Earl Haley, I really like him as an actor. He's a really good actor, but like but when they had him crack jokes in this, he he used the same monotone voice throughout the entire movie. There was one that I appreciated when she comes outside and the dog's dead. Oh, I was just petting the dog, and and you get it because his fingers are yeah, but knives. even but even so he just killed the dog. The by the dog. But even you just said that line with more uh, emotion that yeah, he, like he he literally just goes. I was just petting him. Right. That's it. Like it's completely flat. There's no emotion behind it. And I know, and and like (laughs) like there's the one part where she falls through the floor and she's swimming in blood. Yeah. And and he goes, talk about a wet dream. Yeah. Like it's it's like that's a joke. It's a that's a pretty funny joke, except for when you say it like. Like when you Robert say it, like England, somebody who has no Robert no emotion, would, he would be like, ah, "Talk about a wet dream." Exactly. Like he would, he would be laughing. He would, yeah. he would take enjoyment out of what was happening. Like uh, Robert Englund said in an interview on uh, there's a really awesome documentary called Never Sleep Again. Mm-hmm. It's a four hour documentary about the entire Nightmare on Elm Street series, and I watched the first part of it where they talk about the um, the first movie, and one of the things that he said is like the character like there's a certain like romance to the character if you will people fall in love with the character because of it's like when you fall in love with anybody you, mm. it's 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 their attitude it's their their outlook on life and and you love the character of freddy because he's sort of he's not really an anti-hero but he's sort of you kind of root for him yeah i was gonna say like, he, he kind of is because by the end of the I, you really like you said you, you root, you're kind of you're, you're rooting for him because he's taking such enjoyment in what he's doing and he's like legitimately happy by what he's doing like people people aren't going out during halloween dressing like nancy thompson no and they're not going out dressed like rod lane like they're going out dressed as freddy krueger because they love that character exactly they, that's exactly how you said it too. Like they're enjoying the kills. People yeah. enjoy it. Like like me when I would watch it. Like in, in my younger days, I'd get scared when he would jump out. But then I would be rooting for him, going, "Yeah, yeah, get him, Freddy!" <laughs> yeah. You know? and you want to see what he's going to come up with next. You right. want to see how creative he's going to be with his exactly. Kills. And you have to remember too, the first Friday the Third or, or <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street movie. <laughs> sorry, the first Nightmare on Elm Street movie wasn't even wasn't even Freddy Krueger as most people know him. Right. The first Nightmare movie, he was still scary Freddy, but he still had that side to him that was exploited in later movies. Like yeah. by I, my like favorite really, Freddy, he he was he was that Freddy Krueger. They just it, they just 
they just ramped them up. They turned them up to eleven yeah, for the rest yeah, of the series. Yeah, yeah. Like my favorite Freddy personally is 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 the second movie version of Freddy. Mm-hmm. It's he's not as serious anymore and he's jokey, but he's not so slapsticky as he was in the rest of the series. Right. Um. But the the first Nightmare movie though, like he was the he was the scariest version of Freddy Krueger. Yeah. But he still had that like little kid joyous mentality to him. Yeah. Like. Like it, even when he's walking down, like the, I think it's when he's walking down the, the uh, no, that's in the that's the very beginning scene when he's in the alley and his arms stretch out yeah. really poorly by <laughs> by by like sono tubes, uh, not sono tubes, but like well, it was <laughs> actually like it was tubing a, on fishing wire. <laughs> yeah, it was actually two guys with fishing poles yeah. on either side of them, like controlling those long arms. It was a little janky, but it was it's it adds to the movie yeah. in retrospect. But like no, there's a part where he holds his hand up, he goes, "Watch this," and he cuts off his fingers. Right. That's him, like, just fucking with the characters, enjoying the stalk. He's enjoying the hunt. Oh, yeah. Well, That's the part of Freddy that everyone loved. In the, in the well, new one... If you think about it, like, it, if you if you were the... First of all, if you were, like, a sadistic killer, you love killing people anyway. Yeah. But now imagine if you are immortal because you exist within their dreams. Like, it's literally your world that you, you can manipulate in any way that you want... You would have so much fun. Sure. And that's what Robert England did with the character. Yep. Um, and it, I don't know. It just it complete. It was completely lost with with the remake. Yeah, and the, everything everything in the original was. Uh, we're jumping all over the place. I apologize if it's hard to fo- hard to follow us. But like. Yeah, we said that this, this is how conversations go. <laughs> um, like going back to his his clothing, everything in the original uh, series or the original movie was done intentionally. Every single part of that was done intentionally for a purpose, and it and it meant something, mm-hmm. right? Even his green and red sweater. Mm-hmm. The reason that they chose that is because Wes Craven had read somewhere that the color green and the color red are like the hardest two colors for your eye to focus on when they're right next to each other. Right. Your eye has a hard time just kind of taking them in and, and differentiating. So that and in so itself makes you like. So he goes, "Oh well, great. I knew the sweater was going to be those colors because I want to make every part of this as as." disenchanting to the audience as possible. Right. And that's why that was chosen. In the remake, did, was there any thought behind, oh, no, that's just his colors. Right. They didn't try to do anything that that made more sense for the type of movie they were making. Yeah. Um, like they, they had this movie that was super dark in tone, super... They tried to make it as scary as possible. They wanted to suck 95% of the humor out, minus a couple of jokes that just floated. <laughs> and... <laughs> I, there's no reason that it shouldn't have worked. That's the that's I think the most disappointing part of the remake. It should have worked as a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Freddy Krueger is a character that you can absolutely redevelop into a scary character. Yeah. And the fact that they couldn't do it probably because nobody making that movie really cared about what Freddy meant. You know, like they Freddy was Freddy was not uh, a symbol of darkness and 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 terrifying scares. It was a symbol of dollar signs for the studio. Right. And I think that, to me at least, is the biggest downfall of what the remake was. And it proves that you cannot just remake these things simply because you think audiences want to see more Freddy Krueger. Right. It just doesn't work. And I noticed that too. There was more of the, um, uh, you know, there, there's more of the the jump scare effect rather than just like. Hey, here's my claws, you know, scratching on the pipes, and, and they did, they did do that stuff too, but it was a lot but, of like, hey, we're jumping out just to try to scare you real quick. But per Michael Bay, 
even those scrapes across the pipes had to have explosions in them. When he when he would <laughs> they scratch, had to have explosions. When he in would them. scratch his nail, because like in the in the nineteen eighty four version, when he would scratch his nails across the pipe, it sounded like knives scratching on yeah. metal, and it looked like you were like rubbing uh, flint and um, uh, uh, what is it, flint and uh, what's the other metal that you strike against flint to make a fire? Steel. Steel. <laughs> Shut up. What's that? What is that mystic it sparked the, like, element? It sparked the way that steel and flint do when you strike a flint thing. Right. So it was more believable. In the remake, there was literally the sound of like 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 fuses going or something. There was something like explosive about the sounds. It's like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> and they should have made his glove shoot electricity out of it. How awesome are that have been? Well, actually, when in, that guy in, was in the pool, he got everybody. Actually, in the original, when when uh, there were a few scenes where it was throwing a little bit of spark, mm-hmm. you know, when he yeah. would drag his fingers across something, they did that by connecting the glove to a car battery. Really? And then oh, that's would, interesting. Yeah, so kind of dangerous it seems, but also there's a lot of dangerous awesome. things on that. Since you're talking about danger, they, the scene, you know, the they, scene where they did things real. You're right. I'll get into that in a minute. I'm not, I, I didn't even want to touch the effects yet, <laughs> but but there is a scene where uh, Giant Depp's character gets sucked into the bed, <laughs> and then this giant everyone's seen it. The giant like pool of blood shoots out of the bed. Right. Well, I I don't want to get too much into how they did it because we'll get into that. A little bit later, but yep. like they built an entire rotating room. Picture a room in your house, exact size. They built that on a sound stage between rollers, and they literally rolled the room. Mm-hmm. There's no special. There's no like digital effects in that. There's that was all done practically, which right. is why at one point in time, you see the blood going from straight up to smearing across the side. Yeah, they lost control of the room. There was so much blood pumped into the room that it pulled towards one side and the handlers on the outside lost control and the room started to like spin and they couldn't control it. It actually spilled out onto the electronics. It, well, that, that's what I was going to say. When they, yeah. when they first dumped the water down, it hit the lights and nobody waterproofed the lights and it, <laughs> and it made all the liquid in the room electrified. Oh, geez. And so all of the water in this room was now electrified and like things were bursting and like no one got hurt or anything and they looked back at it and laughed but it was a really dangerous setup. <laughs> um, um, and, and they actually ended up using that same set for, uh, you know, they recycled and used, well, I, don't know so which, I don't know which one came first. No, 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 no. They, they used that same set for two kills in the movie. Because there, the, there was the kill where, John, I, I imagine Johnny Depp's kill came yeah. afterward, but the the kill where Tina yes, yes. is being uh, dragged up along the ceiling. Well, they they also reused it for Electric Boogaloo. And then did probably they really the for, dancing movie. Did they, they, really? they probably yeah, used the it set. in uh, Jamiroquai, Virtual Insanity. Virtual Insanity. Ah, the shoots. Speaking of the shoots, can you give me another one of those to shoots over there? I can, yeah. I'll take one too. Oh, j- Jay asked for it this time. There we go. Well, you still Thank have to come up with a Slice me up another beer there, homie. There you go. <laughs> Um, well, let's, we, don't, uh, we don't converse like this very often. It's fun. Yeah, we usually <laughs> let's uh, let's um let's compare and contrast the cast a little bit. How about okay? Um, well, actually, can first of all, let me let me say this. Being that I'm fresh off of watching the first season of Stranger Things again, ooh, there you go. Something dawned on me that I had not noticed yet. First of all, uh, um, Nancy Thompson is the 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 main like the final girl in in Friday the 13th uh, or Nancy's, Friday the 13th Nancy's the girl in Stranger Things Yeah uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Nancy Wheeler is the and then if you pay attention I you don't you don't have to pay real close attention to get pick this up but Johnny Depp's character Glenn Yeah and Steve Harrington from Stranger Things 
they're the exact same person. Same hair, same clothes, same attitude. Everything about them is the exact. Like I, I guarantee. I can see it. I, I guarantee it. that Steve Harrington was was based off of Johnny Depp's character in this movie. Without knowing for sure, it does. It does seem like it. Right. It really does. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, like I said, without well, like you said, without knowing for sure, but I'd 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 put some money on it. I would love like, to rewatch like Strange. Not, not to go off on a tangent, but I would love to rewatch Stranger Things with the Duffer Brothers commentary to see and have them talk about what like actually inspired them. Is like, there what commentary thing? on the thing that you just? No, got? no. I I got a um uh, an Emmy. I think it was the Emmy. No, it wasn't the Emmy. It was the crap there's two awards they were up for there's the emmy's there's a sag sag awards, sag awards. Yeah. that's what it was i have the screener copy so i actually have stranger things physical physical dvds with a case and the whole deal it's a four disc set for uh the sag awards uh screener copy which is yeah. really cool how'd you get that um, a buddy uh no buddy of mine got it for me for my birthday off uh, ebay you can oh. find them the oh, sag no. award or the the emmy one's sweet though it has one of those uh it opens like a book and the <clears> disc <throat> slides in each page Oh, and cool. each page is for a different disc or whatever. It's really cool. But That's sweet. Anyway, back to uh, the... Yeah, so anyway, um, the the cast of the original, uh, this was... I, it was it was a pretty... It was your typical 1980s slasher cast, and it really was awesome. I mean, Heather Langenkamp as, as Nancy, she's a legend now. Um, All right, can I say th- something that's this, very unpopular? What? <laughs> Rewatching the original A Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Heather Langenkamp's performance is legendary, like you said at this point. Yeah. It's not that great, though. Well, no. I mean... <laughs> it really is not that great. No, go, go back and watch any of the first the first installments of any of the series she's that we worse, love, and a lot of the actors worse than are terrible. Most, she's worse than most, though. She yeah. really is. Like, but whatever you do, don't go to sleep well it's not it's, that it's bad. so no but it's very exaggerated everything she says there were a lot of 80 movies that had that tone yeah though, that's though, just, you know that's just the way it was in the yeah, 80s sure. shut up you dick it's like if you listen back to the old things from the 50s they all sound like this and don't talk like that there you're like what, what? you sound like salisbury joe um so you had uh heather langenkamp as nancy um Johnny Depp. This was his first role ever. Oh, who's that? Which, who? Uh, who's, who's Johnny Johnny Derp? Oh, Jonathan Depp. Jonathan. Yeah, Jonathan. You don't Depp. know was much. He, okay. Was he in something else? Uh, I don't think that he had much of a career after this, but uh, he was spot on in this role. No, actually, interestingly enough, Johnny Depp uh, showed up for. Uh, so Jackie Earl Haley, who plays Freddy Krueger in the remake, mm-hmm. went to audition for A Nightmare on Elm Street, nineteen eighty four. And his friend Johnny Depp went with him. Really, Johnny oh, Depp. Johnny Depp was not actually there to audition, to the best of my knowledge. But somebody saw him and 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 said, well, "Why isn't this guy in front of a camera? Well, He's beautiful." <laughs> that, that was. The, it was the, actually Wes Craven's, Wes Craven's, Wes Craven's daughter, daughter yeah. thought he was super dreamy, so they asked was him to play a part. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, he like he was just there to support his buddy Jackie Earl Haley, mm. and it, it's just it's pretty crazy that you know. And then Jackie Earl Haley fell off the map for 20 years and then ended up playing you know he came back with Watchmen and and all that and then ended up playing Freddy Krueger Frederick Krueger in the remake which is pretty awesome it's like it's cool how everything circled back around this just shows I'm sorry not to not to break from from this but this just 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 shows the the mentality of people back in the day uh, Jay's looking up Nightmare on Elm Street uh, just you know pictures and whatnot right Mm -hmm. and here's an old lobby card from New Line Cinema 
And there's a picture of Tina when she's in her nightgown walking down the alley in the yeah. beginning of it, right? In the movie, it's a little bit see-through, like a little bit when there's light coming through, you can yeah. see like the outline of her legs and whatnot. Sure. In the lobby card, they played with the contrast to where it's completely see-through, and that's what they used for the lobby card. <laughs> like, what the hell? <laughs> uh, no, this this is I'm, this is not from the the alley scene. This is actually from a scene where she's because um, I just I just watched this before I came here. That the contrast on that the way the way that that is see through. That's exactly how it is in the movie. Her nips are showing. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the fact that it's black and white might be messing with it a little bit, but this like the fact that her night. I don't remember is, being that see through. Oh yeah, well because it's backlit. In yeah. that scene, she's actually this is she's she's actually in the the boiler room at this point. Yeah, and she's walking away from a wall, and it's backlit, I've, and I've often, the, the the gown is completely. See-through. I've often wondered that with a lot of those eighty movies, they don't they don't seem to do it as much nowadays. But back in the eighties, I often wondered like. Was it were the directors? Were they just like, no, 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 lose the bra. We got it. We got to see those nips. Like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Like, that's crazy. What today? It's, it's pretty. It's, I mean, it's pretty well known fact that like '80s slashers and stuff. That's it's still crazy to me though. I don't. Know. I mean, it's, like they were. I, I, I don't know if they were necessarily like if the director was like, yeah, lose the bra, sweetie. But like, lose the bra, sweetheart. But they no, they absolutely. It's. It was a form of exploitation yeah, in yeah, itself, I guess you're you know right. what I, I mean? Guess you're like, right. I don't know. People, I don't know. This has nothing to do with our conversation. <laughs> well, it kind of does. It's it's all part of the movie, but um, I don't remember what I was talking no, about. No, the cast. We were talking about the cast. <laughs> Johnny Depp. Uh, Lynn Shay is in this movie. Lynn Shay is a in this young movie. Lynn Shay. She's only. I mean, she doesn't play a huge part, but it's nope. always nice to see Lynn her Shea because got, she's awesome. Lynn Shay got the role because Bob Shay, who is the was the owner of uh, New Line, mm. it's her brother. So, that makes sense. Yep, that's how she got the role. She got a lot of her early roles because of that. Actually, she's in a lot of New Line movies. Which you know, that's nepotism, but like it, it's it's not um, it's not undeserved because she's she's really great. Sure, like sure. you know, you watch her in the Insidious movies and stuff. Like she's awesome. Oh, she's no, Lynn Shay's amazing. <laughs> my my favorite amazing. role. My favorite role of hers, hands down, though, is from Kingpin. That coincidentally is her favorite role she's ever played. Is it really? Yep. She was on. She, she was on the movie crew. She, she talked is, about it. She is so disgusting oh, in that yeah. movie. It just makes me want to puke. <laughs> but she's awesome. <laughs> uh, um, so yeah. Anyway, um, I, I guess I kind of wanted to like compare and contrast the cast. Sure. Uh, that okay. If if you want to, if you wanna, if you're asking me what a highlight is of the new movie of the remake, I will say this. I was going to say, we do need to say some of the good things about the remake because we're totally shitting on it, but as we were watching it it last night, we did stop ourselves and go, oh, that was pretty cool. When the the movie first started, actually, we put it on, and I was instantly in this mindset of wanting to hate it. Like, I'm just waiting to hate it, waiting to hate it, waiting to hate it. Well, I told you, I was like, hey, I I, I even said as we, because... the first thing that popped up was the the title screen and the, and the credits, and you're like, why the fuck do they have to, like, why is there the name and then the, a handwritten name? Why do they have to do that? I'm like, I thought it was, I was like, I, I thought it was a bit repetitive. I was but like, dude, me. tone it down. <laughs> like, I know you want to hate this movie so bad, but this, like, you're being real nitpicky right if you now. Can get past, if you can get past the fact that it does look like all those other, it looks like a very stereotypical Hollywood horror movie at the time. Right. It really, really does. Yep. And if you can get, if you can get past the look of the movie, that it's not that it doesn't look like the original 
um, Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Like it doesn't feel like it, and it doesn't look like it. Right. You can get past that. All of the acting is serviceable to good. Mm-hmm. It really is. I wouldn't. <laughs> so it's not all good. <laughs> um, but like most of the characters are good. They had they had the um, the staples, if you will. Mm-hmm. Clancy Brown. Clancy Brown. A staple. He's he's everyone knows who Clancy Brown is. So you didn't know that Clancy Brown was the voice of Mr. Krabs on SpongeBob. I, did not, huh? I don't watch SpongeBob. I don't have a kid. <laughs> and I don't I'm, and I'm not a stoner. What so. do you mean you don't have a, it, it it came on in 1999. We were only thir- 14 when it came on. Yeah, I wasn't watching. You didn't watch SpongeBob when we were younger? Not when I was 14. Dude, it's hilarious. I was watching Hey Dude. No, you weren't. Hey Dude was canceled by then. No, oh, okay. <laughs> what's the uh what's, um, what's the the house in the new one? Was that in any of the other Friday or the other uh, nightmares? No, I think it was a new house. Okay, because it, it was it, not the original house. It, I know that for it's sure. been a few years since I've seen, uh, you know, the the original one. Yeah, and um, and seen others, you know, in previous times before that. But it, it felt homely to me. It, it was recognizable, like it was maybe the similar style. I think they as picked one of the other a house. Ones. I think they picked a house that that made you think of the original house. Like it had enough similarities, but it was not the same house though. Okay, yeah. to the best of my knowledge, it wasn't. It looked it looked different. Um, so there's Clancy Brown in the remake. You have uh, Jackie Earl Haley, obviously, who played Freddy Krueger, uh, which he's the serviceable, I suppose. No, he was bad. He was Jack, bad. Jackie Earl Haley. I hate to bad. I hate to say that because I, I like him a lot, it's but like he, I don't. We'll get I, back well, to him. Th- we'll get back to I him. I think a lot of his performance and where it fell flat for me too was the makeup. Because the makeup. Oh, 100%. yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get to we'll, we'll get, get to that. that we'll get like, to that. Yeah. Uh, you have Kyle Gullner who played Quentin. Uh, he's very recognizable from the um, uh, Haunting Connecticut. He's also in Kevin Smith's Red State. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's in a ton of stuff. You would know him if you, if you don't know the name. You'll know him if just look him up. <laughs> what the best thing from last night? Because he he has this he has this look on his face throughout the entire movie, <laughs> and and I was like I was like he always like no matter what his face in this movie he always looks like he's. Um, like the whole time he's just like oh fuck I don't want to <laughs> and the way you compared it was like every shot of him like every time you see just his face it looks like there's a dick on the other side of the room <laughs> that he knows that he has to suck but he doesn't want to <laughs> no. it's absolutely correct though. I don't want to no please um, you also have Rooney Mara yeah. who is in it uh, she's a she's a fantastic actress. Um, she, she went on to do um, the uh, girl with the dragon tattoo. Yeah, the remakes and the remakes of the girl with the dragon tattoo. Did, yeah. did they do all of the movies? No, just the one. They're still doing. Well, okay, so not tangent real quick. Um, uh, what? Oh God, God, what's his name? The director of it um, doesn't matter. He did Alien Three. What's his name? The, okay. What the director of Girl with the Dragon yes, Tattoo? Yes, I can't. Well, I can't think of his name. Like the original? No, no, the remake. Oh, David Fincher. They, they thank you, David yeah. Fincher. Uh, Fincher is not coming back to do the next one, and they're changing everything. Oh, like they're okay. pick, they're starting fresh. It's, it's weird. Um, so anyway, Rooney Mara though is in. Why does that? Why does that ever seem like a good idea? I don't know. Let's change everything because it's a different director. It's a different. <laughs> okay. Uh, whatever. So back, back to Kyle Gardner, uh, Gallner really quick. Does it look like he should be in uh, Twilight? Twilight? Yep. It looks like if Robert, you look, click on his IMDb. He looks like Robert Pattinson. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, that's that's all. a bad look for him. <laughs> um, you have Katie Cassidy, who, uh, if you are an, uh, a CW fan, if you watch the show Arrow, she plays the Black Canary. Played the Black Canary. 
I'm behind though, so maybe she's back. I don't know. Uh, so she's kind of famous in, in those circles now. Uh, Thomas Decker. I know you know who he was. I know who he. Yeah. I don't. So. Yeah. Well, he's uh. Yeah. I just I I know him from this movie, but he's also he directed. What the hell did he direct? He looked familiar to me, but I he was in the a, second uh, Chrome Skull movie. I know that. Oh, we did watch that. So maybe that's where I know him from. Um, no, he just directed. Or was it Kellen Lutz that you knew? Oh no, that was Jen. We were watching it with Jen, and she was like all freaked out about the fact that Kellen Lutz was in it. <laughs> I'm like, who? <laughs> no, uh, Tom, Thomas Decker just directed uh, Jack Goes Home, which I've heard a lot about, but I haven't watched it yet. So okay. it's a horror movie that just came out in 2016, and it's apparently really good. Okay. Um. So, so who between? So those are the casts. Who between the two movies do you think won as far as? better cast like who do you, which which version of this movie do you think was what are you talking better? are you talking better acting or sure the whole or, deal or better like who is cast better as the characters because they all played the same characters for the most part <clears throat> yeah for the most part another um, reason why i said they basically reshot the original script just changed a couple things i don't know like it, it's kind of like comparing apples to oranges because when you when They're you still fruit when you, when the, you the, the analogy has never made sense to me they're all fruit <laughs> <laughs> that uh, how does that that if you compare an apple to an orange, it's just a different type of fruit. I'm gonna make an orange pie for Thanksgiving, Mike. Yeah. Like if you said apples and concrete, that'd be two very different <laughs> things. Uh, you're stupid. I'm not gonna continue with that part of the conversation. But um, I don't know. Like I, you're com- you're comparing like '80s low budget actors to late late two or 2010. Low budget actors. Oh, well, no, high, high, <laughs> no, I know. high paid, high budget actors. You know what I mean? Well, sort of. I, I have something to say about it. Okay, go ahead. Um, and it goes back to what I mentioned about with Jackie Earl Haley and Robert Englund. There's, in the original movie, there's soul behind those characters. Yep. Like, there, you believe that those characters exist. The character of Nancy in the original. Like, she was the girl next door. She was, even though I didn't care for her acting as much as maybe some people, Mm -hmm. she was still believable that she was, like, this girl that was going through this stuff, and she was just trying to figure it out. And, like, she was very believable. Mm -hmm. There was backbone to the characters. The the remake, I'm not going to say that the remake was completely without that, because the actors on their own are good actors. It goes back to the direction. And, And I don't believe that... I don't think that Samuel Bear was up to the task. I really don't. Because the I don't feel like any of the, the, the actors had the right direction. It kind of seemed like they were all just kind of playing the characters as they saw fit. And there wasn't this cohesive voice bringing them together. I think I think I the best the best way I can describe the performances from the remake is just flat. Yeah, no, you know yeah, I mean? it's empty. It's soulless. Like I, I'm not gonna say soulless. Like I'm sure that I, I, I'm sure that there was. I will say Freddie is. I have said that. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I don't know. The I part. Just, that's yeah, all. that's I exactly think, what it is. Like there were, yeah, they were just playing the like. There's, I don't know. Jackie, it, it's, I, it's, I will say hard, this. Jackie Earl Haley. I, I actually mentioned this to you before uh, you got here again. Is that I feel like Jackie Earl Haley was more. Um, was more excited to play the role of Freddy, whereas Robert Englund was excited to play the character to of Freddy. To be Freddy. To be Freddy. That's exactly right. it. Um, like, Robert Englund, granted, I know he's got more <laughs> life behind him because he played him for so long, but mm-hmm. in that first movie, 
nothing came before that. Like he created this character based on his own intuitions. Jackie Earl Haley, I feel as though probably because the studio heads were telling him exactly what they wanted, mm -hmm. he might not have been able to do anything else. So I'm not going to blame him entirely because I know he's a fantastic actor. But that performance is lackluster because there's nothing behind it. Well, the thing that struck me is uh, Samuel Bayer. He was doing an interview and 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 he said, "Man, we saw we saw um, Jackie Earl Haley as Rorschach in Watchmen, mm -hmm. and we're like, that's that's the guy that we want. He has to be Freddy Krueger." And I thought back to the performance as Rorschach, and he was pretty flat. In like he was meant to be really a, a really kind of flat character. Like he was supposed to be this really enigmatic, mm -hmm. um, in the like, shadows, like kinda. calm, calculating character, yep. and that to me is not. Like why? Why did you see that performance and think Freddy Krueger? Because that's not how Freddy Krueger is. He is calculating, but he's not calm. No, and he's not enigmatic. Like and he's, they, he, I have a question for you. Go ahead, finish up. But I oh, got, that, that, no, oh. that's a, go ahead. That's that's pretty much it, where it, I could if end it. If you could pick, could have picked someone to play the new Freddy Krueger. Ooh. Oh jeez. Who who would you see fit? Um uh <laughs> that's a good question. There was a lot of there was a lot of talk online about people uh, like people thought a ton of different people would be good in the role. I know you you said earlier that Kevin Bacon was well, like, I, a well, lot I of said that off. I said that yeah, off air, but uh, yeah, Kevin Bacon of, was like, there's a little fan petition saying Kevin Bacon should do it and Kevin Bacon actually chimed in saying I like how you think. Yeah. <laughs> like and I feel like he he could pull it off. He could. It would be I don't think he has the right temperament for it. Though. Right. I you know who I think like I I am trying to like Robert England has such striking like physical features. I almost feel like you would need to kind of replace him with somebody with equal equally striking physical features. Yeah. But at the same time, I think like the attitude is a lot too. Um, you know, Stephen uh, Stephen Ogg, the uh, guy. Oh, the guy from uh, GTA Five. The guy who played Trevor in GTA yeah, yeah, yeah. Five. I don't know. Yeah, like he, he'd be he's good. He'd he's be good. so crass and like such an asshole. I could see. I could see it. In the right, like if he had the right direction, I could see where he would he be would, able to pull it off. He would have off. to really transform himself, but I think he could yeah. do it. What about um, you? I, I immediately I want to go for character actors that are good working under prosthetics, and so I immediately think okay. of like Andy Serkis or Doug Jones, right, and they, yeah. both of them could pull it off. But if this is a fantasy camp, yeah, and I can have anybody alive <laughs> or dead, yeah. Dave Brocky, really, Dave fucking Brocky, Odorous Rungus from Rest Guar. in Peace. <laughs> think about the character of Odorous. Yeah, it's perfect he's crass yeah. he's crazy he's like he's politically incorrect like he could abs he could have absolutely pulled off freddy krueger like 100 percent. like you said with uh his voice almost is freddy krueger already <laughs> think about it. yeah like it, it it would be perfect it's a marriage yeah I, 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 i'd I, have to i'd be interested in seeing it yeah for sure all right, I got one that's got to top all you guys here. All right, ready? And this, it just clicked. I threw out the question. I had no idea who, who I, I would pick even myself, and then it just, boom, it popped in my yeah. head. Um, the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, the style of the original, always gave me that, um, that almost that, we said dirty, dingy. Uh -huh. Reminds me of Rob Zombie type stuff a little bit. Yeah. Uh, uh -huh. These low-budgeter characters-ish. And Richard Brake. Oh, Doomhead. Doomhead. Popped oh, in my head. Yeah, dude, dude, he has that whole... That that same style of like he's excited to go out and kill you know. Give well, this they, man give this man a contract and pay him all the money in the world to be the think tank <laughs> for 
every big studio because <laughs> that's that actually genius that's that actually a really genius. good pick because he's he's got the he's got the temperament oh yeah he can transform himself oh, yeah. into that character yeah he can become Dude, that's a, like even even seeing him in in 31 when he goes to he's like all right sorry big old broad i'm banging right here i gotta go i gotta go kill <laughs> think somebody of, think of he gets up and he goes in the mirror Gets his makeup going, punches himself in the face a bunch yeah. of times, and gets ready to make some kills. Even yeah, Richard, man. even Richard Brake in Blackout Asylum, when he just played the crazy convict, yeah. though, like that could be like the before. Like they gave in the remake, they gave Robert Englund or, or, or back up. They gave Freddy Krueger this backstory. Yeah, I'm picturing a crazy person like Richard Brake's character being this crazy rapist pedophile guy behind bars. But I'm just saying that, like, and he's this crazy person, and then he yeah. gets he fried to death, and he comes back as this even crazier, like, spectral being. Like, oh my god, that's actually really I good have choice. a boner right now. <laughs> now what about it's so good with, with with Rob Zombie having that type of, of filming style, that dirtiness? What would you think if if he took on the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street? Right? I would. Remake. I think here's here's the thing. Like, I've I've always kind of said this about Rob Zombie. His dialogue always kind of gets to me a little bit. It, it does, and I, I've like, classified that to his own thing. But I I, I don't I think it would. You would, it's kind of it, over the top where like like literally every sentence is like hey cocksucker you motherfucker yeah. why don't you fucking get over here and suck Which, my fucking cock cocksucker for a dirty for <laughs> a really dirty down in the gutter type Nightmare on Elm Street movie that dialogue would work fine for Freddy but for they would Freddy. they would need to have a script doctor come in and tame out everybody else right. I agree 100% really. and do you think but it's because he can't write though it's yin and yang it, it could actually work it, yeah sure. yeah but do you think it's it would be because he would just uh go right towards that style of writing the script for that person. He would. Because that's his thing. He would. Like, he wouldn't be able to get out of that zone. I think that if you had somebody that could convince him that you need to separate your styles of directing, because he is absolutely capable of not doing that. I think that he would be able to, yeah. I think that if, as long as it was presented in a way that didn't sound like uh, offensive, like, well, your writing's only good for one character. Like, you can't say that to him, obviously, but like... That could work. That it'd be a very interesting take on that series. Regardless of whether Rob Zombie was part of it or not, I, Richard Brake's a fucking yeah. good choice, man. And I can <laughs> say that if Rob Zombie did a movie like this, he would absolutely not go um, look wise. What they did in in the remake. Uh, you want to talk about the way Freddy Krueger looks? You want to talk about like how the character presents himself mm-hmm. the original nightmare on elm street um even though that freddy was not the freddy that we see in the rest of the series because mm-hmm. they really they kind of um they round the edges a lot of freddy as the series goes on yeah that first movie he looks very much like uh and this is how he was designed after a pepperoni pizza yeah. he looks like a greasy <laughs> pepperoni pizza yeah which is how they designed him right literally the designer was eating pizza one day and he made a face out of the pizza and the cheese and the pepperoni and that's how he came up with the idea <laughs> um now they in in later in uh, incarnations of freddy krueger they they really smoothed it all out and it looked like a prosthetic but it fit the yeah, character because right. the character was more fun at that sure. point um in the remake they decided because they had to be all dark and scary let's make him look like a real burn victim and what doesn't work about that is that n- not everything that is real life translates the film it's, correctly. It's not scary. And this didn't work. Well, I mean, it's, yeah, I, I, it, it didn't. It just didn't work. I don't know. Yeah. Like everyone thinks of a real, a real, sorry, a real burn victim is terrifying. That sounds well. That's not offensive. Nice. <laughs> you get what I'm saying though. Like the, the outward appearance of it to people that 
Mm. I'm not trying to be offensive here. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I think what you're saying is that if they thought that they used, that this guy really got burned and here's this, and he's out killing people, it, it would just seem more real and be scary in the fact that it was real. Sure. To where in, I, I've i met and it, it know people who response. are burn victims it gets, and it's not scary to me. Right. Yeah. Like, I feel, I feel bad for seeing that. And, I think they thought that it would elicit more of a response. That's what I was trying to say. If it was more realistic. If it was more realistic. Not that, not that I'm, I wasn't trying to be offensive, but like, it would elicit more of a response, like, "Oh my God! Like this, here's this person, like they're they're all burnt up and this and that, and they're and they're they're evil, and it just didn't work. It just looked slapped on. It really looked quick. stupid, quite frankly. Well, it, it looked like it looked like if one of the cats from Avatar got caught in a fire. That's I, what it looked like. I, I actually thought he looked like uh, Clint Eastwood from Gran Torino days ish, <laughs> at a couple angles. He, he not, no, no offense to Clint Eastwood. <laughs> I have a couple things to say about it. First of all, Clint I, Eastwood's a good-looking guy. I, I really had, I really had a like, I had a big problem with the fact that his, because of the way they designed the prosthetics and they made him look like a, a real burn victim whose face and their, you know, their lips are all scar tissue and everything. Sure, his lips never touched. When he was talking, which is more realistic, but it doesn't and, translate the film. And Jackie Earl Haley would would play it that way in certain parts of the movie, where he almost sounded like he wasn't touching his lips together. But then there were other parts where he would like there, so like he 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 almost talked like this, or like where where his where his where his lips weren't moving at all. Yeah. But then there were other parts where he would specifically he he says the word come and i don't mean like like jizz i mean come <laughs> he says the word come and when he says it he says it as if his lips touch each other he goes come yeah but the lips of the prosthetic don't touch and it looks weird like there's nothing there's no emotion whatsoever on his face throughout no. the entire movie because he couldn't it yeah. looked like they had s- such heavy prosthetics on his face that it was he couldn't stiff. He couldn't it was just move. Yeah, stiff prosthetics. Which I get and that. That's actually how it would be in real life for a, a burn victim because their face is just scar tissue. They can barely. But he's move not. It. The thing is, I was like, like, this is a very fantastical movie. Right. So it doesn't need to be that grounded in reality. You right. have to find. You strike that balance. If they made that mask a little bit more, uh, with malleable. more uh, malleable, malleable, malleable. Mal- malleable Malleable, sure. you know what? Malleable. Moving on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like if they made it to where he could actually emote more and keep the look of that mask, I don't think that I would like it anymore. But his performance would have been better. Well, I think that they should have gone in between where they went. Like take Freddy Krueger's mask, or, or Robert Englund's mask, and Jackie's mask. Go to the middle. That's where it should have been. Well, the weird thing is you know? when we were watching that uh, Freddy Krueger Reborn segment. There were parts in the behind the scenes where they weren't filming, where uh, Jackie Earl Haley was just like looking at the camera and messing he's around. He's laughing and, and he's, he's laughing and he's emoting, and you can actually see that he was able to manipulate uh, the features on his face so then pretty goes, well. So it, it goes back to I think they were the telling, I think it's the they direction. were telling him like we don't want you to move your face very much, which doesn't translate well in a and, movie. And the, and to go back to the director, the director should have been able to look at that performance and realize that this wasn't working. Right. Anybody can see that. Ray Charles could have seen that. <laughs> okay. Sp- speaking of blind guys, quickly off topic, blind guys seeing shit. There's a, there's a blind guy I know that's a local artist, and he uh, always posts funny stuff about being blind. Today he posted, 
is the eclipse or, or when is this eclipse gonna end <laughs> <laughs> thank you for the Ray Charles reference I meant to tell you guys that earlier um, go on to, to go on to more of the visual effects though too there's a lot of stuff that happened in the, the original movie that 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 make it so fun to watch that they tried to recreate in the remake digitally that just doesn't work like what and the big one that comes to my mind is the Freddy Krueger coming out of the wall gag oh, oh yeah, yeah. The, there's nothing wrong with the way the original was done. Nothing. And, and, and it was so simple. They talk always talk about how CG's cheaper than practical effects. Bullshit. That original practical effect was a piece of... Um, uh, uh, like latex. Latex. It was a piece of latex that was tightly drawn between a wooden frame. And was, oh, sorry. It was spandex, not spandex. latex. Spandex. Yeah. Even, even cheaper, probably. Yeah. It's spandex that was stretched super tight on a frame. And all Robert Englund had to do... It wasn't Robert Englund. Whoever, it was actually the... yeah. Whoever did it. doesn't matter. <laughs> the person. All they had to do is push their hands and face into it, and it looks like it's coming out of the wall. And it looked it's awesome. so easy. And the, what they did in the remake, why these big studios seem to think... That see that everything CG is the way to go is beyond right. me. It looked terrible. Yeah, it looked awful. Like not only did it look just fake, but like they they like the line was was here. People can't see me, but the line was here. They went like ten feet past the line as right. to where he should have gone. He brought like his entire arm out and everything. Like it's it's stupid. Right, like the, the and in, not effective in, in the original when he like you know he pushed his face out, he pushed his hands out just far enough to where he was like kind of leering over her yeah. on the bed, and it was scary. And he popped out just enough to be creepy, and then he and moved then back, back in. in. Like, like you don't need like full arms coming out. Yeah, and everything. it was like it's his whole body. It's like his whole, he, in the remake, it's like his entire torso came out of the right. wall. Like the wall was turning into him. It was yes. morphing into him. Right. And it did not work yeah. at all. No, they at all. also did a lot of stuff, and we've talked about this in the new It trailer, where they sped up the footage where uh, Pennywise is running at the camera. Oh yeah, they did a ton of that in this movie, as if that's scary. Like Why he, do these people think that that's scary? It's like not. where he would spin around to look at the camera, super but quick. But it was like really yeah. quick. It's like that doesn't. It's he, there's a couple of times when it, when he did that where he's running towards the camera and they sped it up to mm -hmm. make it look kind of glitchy. But, you it's know what? It's it's like scary. it's the trendy thing to do, and it, it and it's like that's what we have to do because that's what's in right now. Yeah, I, it, and that's why just, people are following these trends. It with. just it makes me appreciate because we talked about Evil Dead last week. It makes me appreciate that much more the fact that Fede Alvarez uh, decided to go almost a hundred percent practical with his movie. Yes, and, and it and looked amazing. Great, it looked great. That is a suck. The, the Evil Dead uh, remake is such a fantastic example to go to because here's a remake. My big gripe with with the Nightmare remake is that they practically reshot the original script, in my eyes. Right. In the Evil Dead remake, they did use, they called back a lot of stuff, but they did it in a way that didn't seem, like, cheap. You right. know what I'm saying? Like, everything they did served the story, and it wasn't exactly the same. It was just a callback to what was done first, and it paid homage to it. Right. The Nightmare remake did not pay homage to the original. It copied the original. Yeah. And there was, there's nothing behind it that... I think this is like the tenth time I've said this. There was just nothing behind it. Yeah. It was. It was. It was driven, just done. It was it, driven by greed. It was. That's all. That's it. This movie was made because they thought they could make money, and it backfired. Yeah, I mean, it, well, it was just around the time when everything else was yeah. being remade, and they were like, "Yeah, Friday." I enjoyed it enough. Friday the Thirteenth. I enjoyed it enough because of the fact Street. that I that I enjoy 
all the the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street stuff. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, we there were certain parts last night <laughs> where we watched it and we're like, because I think I I had only ever seen the remake once. I think you had seen it once or twice. And there were scenes where we were like, okay, that was pretty cool. Like, they redid the scene with um, Tina. I don't think her name was Tina in, in the remake. Uh, but the the kill where she's thrown around the room. Oh, yeah, yeah. right. Uh, that it was cool. Re- it looked really good. Super good. It looked really good. And, and, it, and it was a cool sequence. And there, were, it, it, there was another one where... Uh, Nancy, where she after she burned herself with the cigarette lighter in the car, yeah, and she came into the store looking for Quentin, um, and and she's kind of having like because uh, Quentin explains to her early in the movie that like your brain after a certain amount of sleep dep- deprivation you'll start having micro naps, and it's where your brain just kind of turns itself off just for a couple of seconds in in hopes of getting like a little bit of a charge, and so she's walking through the store and Freddie starts to kind of attack her, but it's it's almost like she's micro-napping, so he'll show up for a second, yeah. yep. and then it'll go back to the store, and then he'll show up for another another second. So, And we were like, that was a really cool sequence. Yeah, There was stuff about the remake that worked, and, and there was some cool parts to it, but overall... In that same thought, just... though, in that same scene that you're talking about where she burns her arm, that's an, that's an instance of, like, I just talked about Evil Dead, where they take something from the original and they use it in a different way but it's still sort of a callback right. that's that's actually something they did really good in the, in the Nightmare remake is her burning herself with a cigarette lighter is the same as Nancy uh, Heather Langenkamp in the original burning her arm in the dream on uh, the pipe Right. that's a callback that works because right. it's not the same thing but it's it's a callback to similar it, idea it, right that part of it worked uh-huh. um if they would have just treated the rest of the movie like that, I think it would have been more of a success. But they, they, it was almost as if they just didn't care to be original. Yeah. They just wanted to take what was already done and update it, and that was it. Right. It, it might have been totally um, limited too, like you said, by by their direction they were given to go. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. You, you mentioned too, like you briefly brushed on the uh, like the CG and that, and then I noticed that in the wall too. And you, we we were discussing earlier about like um. That you know, uh, they say that it's cheaper to do some of the CG stuff. To yeah, do, they, to go they that always route claim that. that it's cheaper to do CG than it is rather practical. than a, a ten dollar piece of spandex and some wood frames from Home sure. Depot and whatever. But but I propose the idea that maybe when they get these uh, these budgets for this, and they say, okay, we got such and such company doing CG, and they bid it out as it's our flat rate price for your entire movie. This is what you're paying us. Rather, you have us do. 50 scenes of CG, or are you having us doing 20 scenes of CG? So you think they just use them as much and, as they and, can? And may, well, maybe it's it's that we've already paid for this. Why well, go spend a couple hundred extra dollars on materials for this, plus building the, the scene and, and, and the, the room for it, to where they could already have it paid for under that flat I'm rate. Not, gonna, not to mention doing practical effects means, like, if you don't get it right the first time, you have to re-rack and do it again. Oh, well, sure, I think it, that... You know, so I understand I that, not, but... I don't think that it's that you get unlimited amount of effects for the price that you're paying because a lot of movies though they go over budget because they're adding stuff oh, all yeah, the time. Yeah. I think though they might what, what you might be right though in the fen- in the sense they take all of these effects shots and they just put all of them in from the get go and say, "Well, we could do this, but we're already we already have a team working on it, so let's just throw it in there and put that in the pot." And then that gets in, added up into the, the the overall cost they have budgeted for digital effects. Right. And and they might get to the point where it says, "Well, that looks good enough." Yeah, you know. Well, that's the the dreaded good enough. <laughs> um, but, but you also mentioned that there was some CG in the the makeup for Freddy. Yes, they green screened part of Freddy's cheek. I wouldn't have even noticed it if it wasn't for the special features, which makes me wonder what the fucking point was. 
uh, you can tell in certain parts of the movie, and 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 it's stupid though. The way they talked about it, they were so excited about it. They're like, "Oh man, we, you know, we we decided to do a little bit of green screen on his because they literally painted some of his green. wounds on his face green so that they could manipulate them digitally." Mm-hmm. And and they were so stoked about it. And it's like it you didn't do enough to make any like noticeable difference, and. So why spend all the time on it? Yeah, why? I I don't know. It's you could you could have been using that time to build a wooden frame with some spandex. <laughs> right. I, I didn't notice it, and uh, I, I did not notice it. It's not something I would have yeah. thought of, you know. And um, I I lost where I was going with this. I thing. wonder. I wonder if if um I wonder if too if if in the remake they would have gone with the original idea for Freddy Krueger, back when uh, Wes Craven made the original movie, he had intended on uh, Freddy Krueger being a much older character. He was written as an old man. And well, or older man, maybe not old man, but old, you know, middle-aged man. Sure. And uh, the original actor that they had cast for Freddy Krueger was David Warner. Huh. Oh, but he back in '84 he wasn't very old. He, but he was older than Robert Englund. That was my middle-aged is what I was saying. Like, I mean, he was like a mid-aged dude. And um, I can't even imagine that though, because I still think of David Warner as the uh, the doctor from Ninja Turtles Two. Yeah. I can't think of him in any other role, <laughs> and I cannot picture that guy as Freddy Krueger. No. And I'm wondering if in the remake, if they would have completely changed the character of Freddy Krueger into that original idea, that could have been cool. Same character, but a completely different take on the Just character. Just much older. Like why? Why wouldn't they explore stuff like that? Do they think that it wouldn't take off? I mean, excuse me. I don't know. It's it's befuddling. This whole movie is befuddling. David Warner is only six years older than Robert England, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's I mean, well, it's it, weird. it wouldn't the, be that the, much of a difference. In the in the I, I only knew about that because of that Never Sleep Again doc, right? And they prefaced that by saying they wanted somebody older. So, I uh, I just didn't know that. I didn't know how that he was that close in age. So yeah. So uh, to get to wrapping things up, did you guys have any favorite parts from either of these movies? Uh, yeah. You know, the original movie, the one of the parts that really st- sticks out to me is it's it's character development and that's in the mother um i love how nancy's mom once she realizes what's actually going on she starts drinking really heavy <laughs> like she realizes that she she's causing all the her her decision to protect her daughter and the rest of the kids is actually now killing them and you see and and the mother is she's actually, kind of she's kind of an exaggerated character to begin with yeah however you see this transformation in her that's really, it's not really that subtle, but it's kind of subtle if you're not paying attention to it, to where it's really hitting on her hard. She like starts becoming like this closet drunk. And it's kind of it's kind of a cool thing, and and I don't know, I, I like except, subtle things like that. Except for in like the last fifteen minutes, she's just blatantly, she blatantly hammered drunk. the entire but, time. But the nice part about that though is like that the are. mother becomes the daughter, <laughs> and the daughter becomes the caretaker. Right. <laughs> and so it's a cool flip of the script. It was a very smart part of the script, and I, I always really dug that. What I really liked about the remake um, isn't it doesn't have anything to do with character development. It's more uh, just something that Freddy Krueger does. What? Um, and it's the one thing that I will say that I love about the character of Freddy is he when he walks around, he scratches his blades together. Oh like yeah, he's just flicking his fingers. His first two fingers. He's just yeah. Like whenever he's stalking somebody, 
like you, it's weird like he's right it's, just, it's like a nervous tick almost as he's walking towards he's anticipating well it's like it's not even nervous it's like play like that's the playful side of him that maybe jackie earl haley should have played up even a played little it up more. more yeah because yeah. it was so good it's was, it was a really cool character and they trait. focused like, it on that quite a bit and sure. it was cool to see that sure sure that, that's i love that about that's the one thing about jackie's performance that I loved. Like, I thought that was spot on. But you couldn't really see that in his face too much. A lot of times it was, we zoom in on the hand as he's chick, chick, chick. And, uh... They still put dragged attention to it, though. Yes, and it which, which was good. And it worked. And he did it a couple different times. So it was enough to be like, that's a character trait of this version of Freddy, and I liked it a lot. Um, for me, I, my... Probably my favorite parts are... Not necessarily favorite, but most memorable... Uh, it's it's kind of the same in both movies, um, and it's the scene where, uh, in the original Tina, and I believe what's her name is is her name Tina in the next in yep. the in the remake? Um, no, it's Chris. Chris, yeah. Um, Tina and Chris's death, respectively. Like, it, it's that it's the those death scenes were cool. Yeah, it, it's it's the it, if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's the death scene where she gets thrown around the room while she's sleeping. Mm -hmm. In the original it's uh Rod is <laughs> Rod. Fucking Rod. <laughs> is in is in bed <laughs> next to Tina and she she is having a nightmare and she ends up getting I it's just like this is the this is the scene that to me I can remember the most vividly from my childhood when I first saw these movies and it just scared the absolute shit out of me because this idea of uh from his point of view sitting and watching this girl like she's being murdered and she's being tossed up on the ceiling and it's it's completely impossible mm -hmm. completely unexplainable and then all of a sudden those claw marks just just yep. show up across her torso and yeah. you're like what the fuck yeah and They're and then and then once i got a little bit older and i learned how they did it with the rotating room and stuff i just thought that was really cool and and innovative and uh and and then in the remake, that was one of the scenes that we said they really did that scene justice. They, they did, did it really well. It looked like the original, actually. Yeah, that's yeah. The, I, I will give this movie that. That looked like it was like almost like stop, not stop motion, but like whatever effects they would have used back in the day. It looked like they modeled it after that, right? To get that look. Which obviously in the new one it was digital, but absolutely. Um, I yeah, I just I I think that's my. Like I said, not necessarily my favorite, but probably my most memorable scene from the original, and I and I like the way they did it in the remake. Yeah. So, what about you? Yeah, for me, uh, I you know I think in the uh, in, in the new one, it was just so much of the seeing it as a modern filmed movie. Yeah. You know, looking crystal clear and all that, and and you know, I almost got giddy. Like I had, I felt like a little kid at first when it when I first started seeing it. Uh -huh. You know, and seeing the do, 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 oh, the music score. coming in. That was, that that was, was like, yes, motherfuckers, here we go. That was something I forgot to mention. I love the fact that they brought back the original yes. score for for the remake. Exactly, um, and and just getting excited to see it filmed in a in a modern day and age was yeah, awesome. For sure. Um, so that was cool, and from the original, it was you know really just Freddie's mannerisms all the way around. And yeah. I know that sounds cliche, but it's like just the way he played everything we that's, talked about. All to all. That's why people like the movie, though. <laughs> like every, the, the, the original, it was just everything about the original. I loved it. Yep. So so the whole point of this was to figure out what happened with the remake. So to finish up here. Yeah. Probably too much studio interference. Probably. Um, the the the, the makers of the movie. Caring probably more about their bottom line than they do about the genre. Plus, a pretty green director. 
pretty green director. Yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I think that this movie was just made by the wrong people. Yeah. I really do. You know, I think that there was no love behind the project and it showed. Yeah. You know, it was, it was more of a, a money driven, um, excursion to begin with. And the love that should have been behind the project just wasn't there. It was just a piece of property to them. It wasn't like a piece of their heart, if you will. I, I still enjoyed it enough to to watch it. It was it was okay. I gave it an okay out of I bought awesome. It. I bought <laughs> okay. that. I gave it on a scale of meh to awesome. I gave it an okay. <laughs> I bought I, it for a dollar. I'm happy I didn't spend two dollars. <laughs> I, th- I think that if I think that they should have known better. Like if you're gonna make a if you're gonna make a horror remake nowadays, just throw it over to Marcus Nispel, because that's what he does. Uh, yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Friday the Thirteenth. Those were both those were both good. really good remakes as his, far as I'm his concerned. His last and, movie wasn't the great. Exeter wasn't his greatest movie, but yeah, whatever. It, it was it was probably still a little better than the just, fr- than the Nightmare on Elm Street just, remake. Just give everything to Adam Wingard and James Wan and. And the world's a happy place. And Adam Green. And Adam Green. John Carpenter. And... You know, let's actually fire all of Hollywood and only have the small group of people working on films for, for the rest of eternity. There you go. Well, all right. All right. I, think, uh, I think that pretty much does it for this episode. Uh, it was a good time. I'll just, I just love shitting on people's dreams, as, as I imagine you guys do, too. So, uh, if you want to find us... You're going to get all kinds of hate mail. You guys think you can do it better? Why don't you go make a movie? Yeah. <laughs> no. Hey, to be clear, uh, none of us can make movies. Mike says he's going to one of these days. I have made movies. Thank okay, you very all right. much. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, yes, you have. I'm sorry. Uh, no, with, we... With shit actors. We don't think that we can do this any better. We're simply just stating our opinions, and, and that's that. Um, if you want to find us on social media, you can... What? What? You look like you have something to say. No, okay. You can find us on SoundCloud, Instagram, and Facebook at thebuzzedkillpodcast.com. Not, the, the, not nope, dot com. Nope, nope. Just the Buzzkill Podcast. <laughs> uh, you can find us on Twitter at thebuzzedkillpc. You can also find us on a Horror Amino. Yep, I forgot that one. Horror Amino at the Buzzkill Podcast. And make sure you join the group Do You Love Horror on Facebook. And also the group Do You Love Horrors. Also on Facebook. That's a, that's a fun one too. <laughs> Twenty-one and up or eighteen and up. <laughs> if you want to find J Raj, J Raj, follow on social media at Ocean Recording, and also check out www.oceanrecordingstudio.com for a snappy good time. <laughs> I'm glad we did an ep- episode where uh, you have seen the movies because it was nice to hear your beautiful I voice. I don't get to watch movies too you've much got anymore, a, man. You've got a really rich timber in your voice that's just very soothing. Uh, and I, I, was like telling him, I was telling him before just, we started recording, it's funny that it took him a year to finally like watch the movies we're talking about, and it's like the shittiest remake <laughs> <laughs> under the sun. <laughs> Let's do another shitty remake next week. All right. Cheers, gentlemen. Yeah, boys. For the record, I could totally make a better one. Shut up. <laughs>